Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. my god adam ray what's going on buddy oh my god is that a real hawaiian background or did you pick that from the uh the selection menu now that's a picture of our golf course i can i can change it and get you the real background of our jesus course right yeah let's see and the real I- coach t closet where you're really recording this shit show <laughs> okay so how do i do this i go to <laughs> more this is worth it just for- <laughs> this is awesome yeah. Okay, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to go none. And here we go. That's my background. Holy shit. Okay, you know what? My apologies. I was thinking you were going to pull down the facade and there would be just, you know, just a pile of, you know, Carl's Jr. rappers. But, dude, that is <laughs> that is unbelievable. The 15th hole of Hawakale Golf Course out here in Eva Beach, Oahu. Dude, you are just living your best quarantine. I'm trying to. Yeah, is it? Well, how? Go ahead. No, you please go ahead. Well, as having a backyard is, uh, you know, my girl and I went down to her folks place in Arizona for a couple of weeks when things first started to hit the fan and just having like an outside was a game changer. You know what I'm saying? Like getting oh. to take a little bike ride down some, uh, some, um, you know, dangerous Arizona streets or just even sit on a patio and, and actually like, you know, look at some mountains and see, cause where we're at in LA, we just have, you know, city sidewalk and you can, you know, take a stroll and, and get air that way. But it's not the same as like looking at what you have right there behind you. Oh, it's just amazing. Adam. In fact, I went and bought a badminton set this morning. So we have something to do in the backyard. Hello, midlife, crazy. midlife crisis table for one. <laughs> oh gosh, you can only do so many puzzles and play so many card games. It's just going crazy. No, dude, badminton's the, the, the proper choice. Wait, so you went to, uh, you came to Hawaii in what year? It was 2001. Came gotcha. back to Hawaii. My job in medical device devices, sports medicine devices, brought me back here, and we've been here ever since. That's what you started in before even any coaching of any sports, or no? No, um, I got that job. The what would be your? Because my last year with you, you were a junior, so I got that job when you guys were sophomores. I did it for a year, right? And then obviously, I. I Gave up football because the time was way too much. And then the following year, in, De- in January, they asked me if I they gave me a chance to transfer because I was making around 50 grand. And now I can, you know, really provide for my family. I have the yeah. choices of Idaho, Pittsburgh, or Hawaii. And we chose Hawaii. Damn. All right. So take me back. I, I want to know from your, you know, obviously we are, there's going to be a sports-filled chat. Uh, but also, you know, for all the people that, that I've gotten messages from that are like, dude, you got to sit down with T. Like, you got to ask him this, you got to ask him this. Like, so I'm going to, we're going to cover a, a good amount, but, um, and uh, unless, tell me if you have to go somewhere uh, after an hour. And if you do, you know, um, I, I, I've, if you got to no, bust the badminton rackets out. 
<laughs> okay. If we start talking about Mark here, Hammer a little too long and you're like, dude, it's badminton time. I got to get out of here. Um, first of all, I want you to jar my memory because I forget a lot of stuff. I remember a bunch of things. Yeah. But there's some things that I forget. And if you just spark a memory, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, dude, I'll, I think you will because this is, A, I think a, a quality that most dudes possess is just like, especially when it's sports. Like, first of all, I love that you were posting last night rewatching an old this is such a classic dude sports move. You're like, I'm watching an old game seven. Is it weird that I'm watching it like this game is actually airing live right now? And I'm like, not at all, dude. A, this is how much we miss sports. And B, this is just a classic dude sports move where you rewatch games. Girls do not understand this. You'll rewatch games from 10 years ago and get just as emotionally invested. And it's like, you know what's going to happen. In, in the fourth quarter, Kobe took a ball from the top of the key to a couple of his jab steps and took an elbow jumper, fist pumping on a game that's 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is, uh, what do you think about them trying to get a game of horse going? <clears throat> you see this? I'm sorry, that one broke up. Oh, the NBA is uh, trying to put together a game of horse where uh, the guys – Trying to high, get stuff. Uh, well, it's a high-profile game where uh, a lot of high-profile players will play horse, you know, and shoot it on their, their respective home courts and then – you know, try to piece it together. Uh, our reception right now is awful. Oh, is I don't it? Know what's going on? You good? How's that? Try again. See if I can hear you. This is you the, the magic of. Uh, you good? Right How's now, it? I can hear okay, you. Perfect. Good. All right, great. Um, so I was saying the NBA is trying to do like a game of horse with uh, some high-profile guys to to just add some sort of you know competitive uh, element to the lack of of sports right now. Like where you'd have like Durant in his home court, LeBron at his, and they kind of have cameras going and then it's <laughs> be awesome be fun it's yeah. like nascar doing the eye racing yeah you know they have they have a big race today and they threw dale jr in and they threw jeff gordon in just stuff to because we were dying to watch something because that, that's it's what a part of our dna people who like sitting down and watching people compete and that's yeah. i think it's great i have no problem with it if that's what they can do to kind of entertain us for now that's terrific what i'm dying what's killing me though is the golf channel showing golf tournaments from just one year ago show one from 10 years ago i don't want to see one from last year <laughs> yeah, Tigers. Yeah. yeah i know it's 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 truly the time to to pull back all the old great stuff just to remind us like yeah you want to see stuff from from way back when speaking of which do you okay so when you did you start in where were you born and raised first of all i don't even know this i'm born in born in la but when i was in the third grade we moved to hawaii okay so stayed in hawaii all the way to I went to got out of high school and I went to University of Laverne out there in LA and spent around five years over there and then eventually followed my um, high my college girlfriend to Northern California. She finally figured out get rid of me. <laughs> Met my wife around six months later. Wow. Have our have our oldest Jordan and then next you know we moved to Seattle and we spent ten years in Seattle, which brings us to right here where we're at right now. Wow, so you, it's almost like you should so kind of bounce around. Not not big bounce around, but it's almost like you should send a uh, um, thank you card to uh, to your ex for um, for tossing you to the curb so you can meet your wife, oh. huh? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird how things happen like that, you know. Yeah, you no reason being in Northern California. Your uh, your wife is is the best, and your kids are dope. I was lucky enough to meet you. Did you bring one or both? that i met the uh in our connection going haywire again um if you're talking about kids got two boys one's 30 one's turning 20 one's 29 and the other one's turning 26 
on the 11th. So um, both are doing great. In fact, our oldest and his soon-to-be wife just had a baby girl last week. Damn. So grandpa. I'm a grandfather. Yes, Damn, dude. Grandpa. T now, do they call, do you make the, uh, will these kids call you coach or T or they call you just grandpa? Grandpa T? Grandpa coach? Um, we'll see. You know, it's, it's, it's a field thing. Yeah, let, I mean, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you people come out for a team? You can't make them do what they can't do, right? Yeah, how exactly? Is there when you were uh, whether it's like nicknames or like somebody's last name? Did you always just kind of call players by their last name, or did you again like a feel thing? It was oh, you know, my biggest thing with kids' names is always putting an er at the end of it, or trying to shorten it, or you know, different. Some guys work and some guys don't. You know, like Kosh. Because of Jerry, uh, what was the one movie that had the quarterback whose last name was Cush? Oh, so Jerry O'Connell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Jerry O'Connell. So we would just call him Cush. So you get other people, you get guys and some people like Tom Edwardson. I called him Eddie forever because yeah. I just shortened his last name. So, you know, different people just because of their names and just the type of people that they are. So, but I've been doing that forever. Some people you'd call by a nickname, some people you don't. But I've never really been a last name guy. Um, right. Always been, I like saying first names. What's weird in Hawaii, though, in the mainland, you guys would all call me Coach or Coach T, right? Yeah. Here in Hawaii, it's kind of a tradition to call your coach by their first name. And so they go Coach Greg, and that always, at the beginning, just threw me off. I'm wow. Like, Dude. You're like, I made a mistake. <laughs> I got to move back. <laughs> These kids don't know who I am. Yeah, I guess it's with like the going to – Coach K and go, hey, Coach Mike, how you doing? I mean, oh, yikes. Yeah, too weird. I guess also with your certain names that you just go with, like Yusef Arifi Afshar, there's no nickname for that. You just call him Yusef, right? Oh, like, God. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, there was, <laughs> he had no acronym that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have any weirdness to him, but it would be a great cat, so you just called him by his name. Then there's a guy like Morgan Nielsen that you go, all right, there's a bunch of nicknames I could call you or I could – you know, come up with the nicknames based on the things that you do in locker rooms. So Seattle, you, you got there, what year again? My first year in Seattle was 1990. So what grade were you guys in 1990? Man, 90, I was uh, eight. Yeah. So you're, you're <laughs> a Kel you weren't a Kellogg yet, were you? You're no, no, that's Lake Forest Park. Cool. I was a dog. Yeah, it was great. Uh, did, okay, so when you, when you, um, when, when did coaching, Okay, so you said you got uh, your your major in college was what? I was a PE major. I I, I did nothing. I just I played PE major. Sports. Yes, I did nothing. Played three sports. Played in more games in the history of University of Vermont than anybody else. Holy um, shit! I played football, basketball, and I picked up volleyball in college because my roommate said, "Hey, you got it. Let's play volleyball because he's a good volleyball player." Um, and then when I moved to Northern California, I immediately got into coaching. I mean, it took me two days to get a head frost soft football head coaching gig and i had no idea what i was doing why uh why that quick because they just had no they had uh, all the things yeah yeah and I mean, you also yeah did you, so did you have this did you have the amount of like swagger that you had uh, that everyone's known you to have like from day one i feel like you did yeah at least well, confidence confidence absolutely yeah um, being able to, to relate and talk to kids not a problem um, knowledge of what the heck was going on on the offensive, defensive lines. I had no clue because I didn't pay attention to that when I was playing. Yeah. I, mean, I ran routes. I cut balls. I had no idea what the line was doing. And next thing you know, you're put into this position. You got 40 kids in front of you, and now you're in charge. And it was just, you know, baptism by fire and learning. And it was, it was as fun as it was. 
it was like, gosh, I don't think I did a correct thing for a whole year. <laughs> yeah. So you played basketball, football, and what? And volleyball in college. And, and high school was just basketball and football. That was it. Yeah. And was there one, did you kind of know as you're playing? I think like, you know, you talk to any uh, coach at some point, I feel like they all say at about a certain point, you start to kind of go, all right, I guess the pros is probably not going to happen for me. So what's, what's a way to stay involved, right? In coaching, like, um, you know, and, and I think that that's got to creep in at some point, whether while you're playing because you love it, or was it like a few years post, uh, you said it was right when you got to NorCal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, when I was in high school, I went to an all boys school over here in um, Oahu called St. Louis. That's where Marcus Mariota went. That's where oh, over it. Yeah. It's a big school and a great athletic school. And I was just a normal dude in terms of basketball and football. And then um, had some issues with my mom. So I moved with my dad to Lahaina and went to Lahaina Luna High School. And I thought, this is it. This is my time. And next thing you know, I'm crappy up there as well. There's really good players. <laughs> so Humbling. I knew in high school that coaching was something that I was going to do down the road. I love coaching. I love talking to coaches. I love people coming together. Um, I like leadership. So coaching has always been in the plan since I was middle of my high school career. But when you went to NorCal, you just kind of jumped in, uh, you know, with, with no real safety net. Did you read any books, like any, like, you know, uh, um, uh, fuck, I'm blanking on his name. What's um, uh, the UCLA uh, great? John, oh, John Wooden. John, John Wooden. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. I was, we were in, I stayed all, I stayed in Southern California to around July. And then she had to go to school. So we jumped in her car, went up. Got a job at a restaurant as a waiter. What restaurant? It was called um, Horatio's in San Leandro. Nice. That was going to be like good. a cheesecake factory or something. I was like, no, oh, it, was a, it was a nice restaurant. Eventually met my wife there. Um, oh, shots fired on Cheesecake Factory. You're like, no, no, it's a nice place. <laughs> and so I'm driving by a high school one day, and it said San, Loren San Lorenzo High School. Yeah. And so I just drove in. And next thing you know, I tried to find the gym, find the gym, find the AD. And he goes, hold on one second. Let me get the head football coach. Hires me on the spot. This is like, Jesus. takes five minutes, just like that. Jesus. Now, that's how my career started. That's crazy. Now, uh, people should know that is, I mean, that's not normal, right? Like, I guess most jobs, there's, you know, uh, application process, an interview, all this, like, but, or back also. checks, fingerprints. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said. I thought you said back rub checks. I was like, <laughs> yeah, back rub checks. Yeah. Make sure you can give a good back rub. Coaches yeah, get stressed. Exactly. Wait, so what did, what did you say to this guy that made him go, yeah, fuck it. Let's roll the dice. He asked what my background was, and I told him um, I played. I love playing. I want to be a coach. I want to learn. I was just trying to angle to become an assistant coach and gotcha. just learn and figure out things to do. And then after around 20 minutes of talking, and he liked me, and he goes, okay, how would you like to be our head frost soft football coach? And I go, I'm not, I can't say no. You can't. So I said, okay, let's do it. The okay, next so thing you know, I'm, after that, I'm the head girls volleyball, I mean, JV basketball coach. And then I'm a Damn. JV baseball coach. And it just keeps rolling on and rolling on from there. Now, did you start? Okay, so now once you have kind of thrown yourself into the, uh, into the Wolves, you, there's got to be like a time where you're like, all right, I need to get every Tony Robbins DVD and every like just sort of leadership. Like, I, I, you know, now you're just trying to kind of uh, figure it out uh, on the fly. And obviously like baseball, you said you didn't play. So, but how similar is the, do you kind of take an overall coaching mentality and figure out your voice first? Cause I feel like coaching is a lot similar, is very similar to playing. And even like, you know, for me doing standup, it's like you, 
you know, experience and time and reps is how you find your voice, find your persona, find your, you know, your, your point of view. And so when does that happen for a coach? And is it also similar to like stand up where when you're starting out, you're emulating who you like because you're, you don't have your own shit yet. So you're kind of doing what you, what you've seen and what you like. Um, or did you feel like you kind of like had the coach team mentality right out of the gate? I, I think your question's awesome. And here's when I'm going to age myself. This is a different era. This is 1985. This is 1986. There's no internet. There is no access to things that you, you would There's think. There's no you Uber. Would. There's no flashlight. No. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah, we're behind in the times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing. So, I mean, all you can do is kind of be a sponge to the people you're around. And so that's why at San Lorenzo for those four years, because eventually I did two years of the head coach of the Frost Off, then I became an assistant on the varsity. You just watch the guys. I had two great mentors, a football coach, Bill Versino, and a basketball coach who was a great man. And I just hung out with those guys. Hung out with them afterwards, had beers with them afterwards. Um, then you learn. But when I went to Shorecrest is when I really developed a coaching style and a coaching. Um, an X is an philosophy. And my verbiage has always been the same. You know, I've always been the same dude who's very excitable. Maybe a lot of colorful words early on. Oh, yeah. Towards the end. Oh, it, it was bad. You, you were part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I broke mean, a chalkboard one, <laughs> one day in Arizona. Yeah. But you know what, man? Like, there's no pa passion doesn't really, uh, passion of, I don't know, dude. There's, there's, um, I would gladly, and I've told this to many people, and I'm sure every athlete that came under your, uh, your coaching would attest to the same shit where it's like, you know, you like that freshman year when I got to suit up for football, I think a bunch of freshmen did or a handful of us anyway, that you kind of uh, handpicked to suit up for a varsity game. That was our first taste of like being in like, cause you know, you'd be around practice and that was intimidating enough to kind of see how you talk to seniors and the way you would talk to like the best players. Like you're talking to Luke Winslow, who's the quarterback of the team, and like this hot shot on campus and, and Rob Wood and, and, um, and uh, uh, David Knapp and Marshall Wake and these guys that like, also when you're coming in and they are, I think in their own right, like uh, uh, very good uh, high school football players, right? Even times where you're looking at them on the field. I remember going to games even that we didn't suit up for being like, God, man, all these guys could go pro. And this is how like, you know, dis, uh, you know, delusional you are watching, but you're also, you know, close to it. So you kind of feel a connection. But I remember during practice seeing you just pull these guys back down to reality. And I'm like, dude, I saw Luke Winslow in the hallway with two girls and coach T just called him a bitch. Like, dude, this is man. Like nobody's safe on the field, you know? And he like, and, but then I would see, I would see like nobody, everyone took it. It was, you know, you had a, a really nice balance of, um, of wanting, of, of people wanting to get your approval, you know, be, uh, because they liked you, not, you know, there was a, there was definite, and I told you this after I saw you in Hawaii when you came to my show, like definitely created, and I don't know if this is intentional, but like a father figure mentality with players where it's like you, 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 you create enough of, of a rapport and a relationship, but then it's like you, you, because of that, you can almost demand more and people want to give it because, they want to, they don't want to let you down. And I feel like that's, once you've done that as a coach, you know, then, then you just got to trust that you have the right, you know, group of, uh, of, of parents that, that fucked and made talented kids that you get to fucking put in the game because that's also a gamble, right? Yep. I remember that when we brought you guys up and I, I, and I knew when we did stuff like that, 
and that's just whole part of the whole thing, so part of the process, because you're trying to grab you guys young to buy in, you know, and to say, this is what I want to do. This is so yeah. important to me. And how cool it was for you guys to be on the sidelines. And, and when the bagpipes are going and we're running around the bagpipes oh. and do this, it's the best. I miss Dude, that. Did, oh. I was going to say, did you love, and we'll just talk in football and then we'll move to basketball, but like when you, those football Friday night games, is it like as exciting for you guys and the coaches as it is for like, the school, because obviously those, I think for any high school football, Friday night games are like, you know, just kind of the talk of the town. It's the best. Um, as much as I, I will never do football again because it's too time consuming and it's, and it's so hard. I mean, it's just the time aspect. Of, even though nowadays it's a little bit easier with the huddle, the film services that you have and you can yeah. watch on your phone. You can do a lot of work at home that you had to do at the gym before. Um, there is nothing like preparation. Football is a five, six-day preparation for one game. Well, basketball, you know, we're playing two to three games a week. And then we're in preseason. We're playing three games in a row. So it's a little different thing. But football is just – it's just the best, man. Just getting ready from the Monday practice when you're walking through. Go watch the JV game and get into Tuesday, implementing the game plan. Walkthroughs on Friday – on Thursday. And next thing you know, you're playing on Friday nights. And it's uh, – there's nothing like it. And for all you guys like you and all the other guys you got to experience, it's something you'll never forget. I, I, myself, personally, I was so happy to be a part of something like that, especially Shortcrest, because Shortcrest was a, just a tremendous place to do it at. Hey, guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Man, it's good to be back. And you know what? The best part about being back is sharing the goodies with you, the fans. I love candles, okay? You know from listening to this podcast, we've always had candles living around the apartment and now my new place. And um, I'm tired of buying the bullshit candles from the store. I want some personal touch. I want something handmade. So that's why I found Hangover Candle Company. That's right. Homemade by a bartender in Fort Collins, Colorado. He's a big comedy fan, podcast fan, reached out, said, I love the pod. would love to send you some candles. I'm like, I'm not comfy giving you my address. He's like, come on, trust me. I was like, all right, let's roll the dice. Boom. Now I've got fucking 40 different flavors of Hangover Candle Company candles in my place. Um, They're cut, sanded, poured, packed, and shipped all by him. Um, And you can choose from over 200 different containers okay to build your candle in and over 40 different scents to create your own uh smell you can customize your own scent shit man they've got flavors like uh fucking root beer apple pie cinnamon stick coffee fresh cut grass uh hazelnut lavender leather maple syrup peach pine sandalwood spearmint sea breeze vanilla bean watermelon go to hangover candle co uh on etsy okay go to etsy type in hangover candle co it'll pop up the shop and then pick your candles and then use the promo code ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 25%. Hangover Candle Co. is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, but again, go to Etsy, type in Hangover Candle Co., find the candles and the smells you want, create your own, and then use ALN25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. I love candles. They're great for any occasions, bar mitzvahs, circumcisions, uh, fucking weddings, funerals, gender reveal parties, uh, divorce parties, uh, coming out parties, coming in parties, coming parties. These candles are the shit, and they're my fave, and I want you guys to have them. So type in Etsy. Dot com and then type in Hangover Candle Co. and uh, and pick your candles and use ALN25 at checkout for 25% off. All right? Start smelling better. Start looking better. Start feeling better, okay? Because everybody farts, and candles are a great way to get rid of that. And now back to the episode. Yeah, it was. I, I think there's something to be said, too, about, like, the, uh, you know, the, the um, 
the school that kind of backs a program like that too. And it seemed like that like football, at least when I came in freshman year again, I think, I don't know if we went to the playoffs. I feel like you coached football yeah. team for, yeah, we did. Yeah. And when you I had football for four and then I did double duty as the head coach for two before I, I moved. Right. And football, like, I mean, do the camps and like, you know, all the summer oh. workouts and like, I mean, it was a whole thing. And you talk about, I think you even told me one time that you were like sleeping in your office because of how much of a full-time thing it was yeah because i mean you truly can make it an all-year thing if you want to on friday nights i never went home wow because one we had to wash the uniforms because we didn't trust anybody taking them home would you trust some of those <laughs> some of those guys some of your teammates some of your oh, best friends taking uh, stuff home oh dude so we well, had to wash them. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I know i got some basketball jerseys that i slipped out with but yeah for sure like and you then had brady god bless brady sharp and I, oh my, my man he would, this is back in the VHS VCR days, he would make five copies for us and have it done by around midnight. So then I can give them to all the assistant coaches, then everybody went their separate way after that. Wow. And, and then you watch film, then we come back on Sunday as a group, watch as, a, as a coaches for two hours, and then you guys would come in and then we watch it with you guys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, dude. Br wow, Brady Sharp. What a uh, what an unsung hero, right? Like you oh. kind of need a guy. He probably was the glue to. I mean, keeping you guys on track, getting you your shit, and he loved it too. And he had a very. He was also like the first white guy that I ever met that thought he was black. And in Shoreline, in Sh <laughs> and in Shoreline, I was like, oh, like it's even more daunting because it's like you know I bag groceries at the local Albertsons. Like I, everyone's just kind of you know, friendly and doing their thing. And like, you know, this guy was what six, four and just had a swagger to him. Like he had a nine inch hog just in between. <laughs> and I was like, Brady, Brady Sharp went with Jason Kerr to Franklin high school and was part of Franklin's basketball program for seven years and what? was right there. And every, all those dudes were, were loved him. He was their guy. And, yeah, and that's, what you just said, just <laughs> nailed it. Cause that's what Brady was. Amazing. Yeah. Did uh did you love those camps and like the uh, like the overnight camps like when we go to Western? Uh, well, oh, I think that was yeah, those are fun because you know, the, the stuff that you guys didn't know is that we do this stuff and you guys play that the coaches would all go out at night. Oh yeah, dude. Because the uh, they would take us to a bar, so they'll take you know the West like we went to Western. We went to this one place in Bellingham, and there's like forty of us there, and they're just football for four or five hours, and we stumble in, and then we wake up in the morning. And then we start yelling at you guys all over again. It was awesome. Oh, well, okay. So now there's a little bit more of understanding, <laughs> knowing that maybe that chalkboard got broke because, hey, man, maybe the vodka sodas were poured a little deep the night before. <laughs> uh, well, I think I broke the chalkboard when we were in Arizona because the day before when I took you guys to Mexico, around five of you were getting switchblades pulled off of you over at the border. Yeah. And they're checking your pockets. John oh, Jason yeah. had a switchblade. Oh, Jason yeah. Mike had a switchblade. Oh, yeah, dude. That's what people – seem to forget about that is it like dude we were i mean you know that was a good it was it was a good group of ballers you know i think we had i mean when you think back to the the basketball time is it uh i remember first of all seeing you live for the first time when uh, mike nielsen was on the team which oh, was God. i think 95 yep and you were head coach that year or was it were you no, no it's still marv it was marv i was marv um, at that point I was probably the freshman head coach and, and Larry Stewart was the JV head coach. Yeah. And then when, then when Marv went to Shorewood is when I took over. Okay. Because Larry, Larry went to Shorewood first by himself. Then Larry, then Marv went to Kings and that's when I took over. That's yeah. what it was. But were you coaching football at that time or no? 
I was. I yeah, was okay, great. Doing football. That's right. That's I was right. doing young guy basketball. And then my last two years, I was head football and head basketball coach, which That's was right. just just a blur because we're just so much stuff was going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I remember going to a, a game. I think it was a, a state playoff game, right, with that yep. team with Mike Nielsen. And, and um, dude, give me the name of the seven-footer you guys had. The seven-footer. Well, we had Bruce. Bruce, Vinny's brother, Bruce Abukovic. But then, no, there was a kid. And then we had Brian Newhouse, who was around six eleven. We had Travis Greer, who was around six seven, six eight. Just a rock of a man. He was the glue of that team because Mike was a young guy. Oh, back. Oh, but if you're going a little bit older, Mike senior, then you have the Sandrin brothers. Sandrin, dude. Oh my Danny god, dude. These kids were right seven foot. Were they Chinese yeah. kids? Right. Yeah, and dude. they both played. Um, professionally in in korea and in china oh i believe it dude those guys were i mean dude that was just again like you know you're coming i think when i saw i must have been in seventh grade when i um went with morgan to to go to these games and and was just like i was like fuck dude you got to be this tall to play in this uh, uh league because i think i'm gonna peek out at six feet thanks mom okay. and uh that team, that team should have not should have you can never say should have because there's something because reed anderson was on that team oh yeah and you know and brian parker was on that team and it was so talented but it just never meshed yeah and so even though i mean we 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 bad for us that we drew o'day in the first round because back then they used to pull numbers out of a hat and there was some there were some tiebreakers like if your girls were playing at the same time and you throw your name in but if there's no tiebreakers then you play who you play Right, and we played O'Day in the preseason and beat them by around five or six. So we're legitimate, right? And but when we played them in the first round of the state tournament, we lost by around four points. Damn, that's it. You just end just like that thing. But man, what a team! I remember seeing the Sandrin brothers. Dude, that was unreal, man. I, and I remember, and this is a dude again. How big part of of, uh, of my life you've been? Like I remember going to that game, and dude, yeah, Marv was a head coach, and you know, Larry. But dude, I walked away being like, dude. The guy who was coaching defense and, like, like you were up and down the sidelines like it was your team, dude. And I just remember being like, that's the guy I got to get to when I play. And I think, like, that's – and I, want, I was like, I want to be coached by that guy. Because Marv, you know, had his thing, but he was very much, like, you know, crossed arms, walking up and down a little, you know, a little. But you were just working it, dude. And, and it got me so excited to be like, dude, I want to be – I want to be coached by that guy because it was just – and, again, this goes back to being in the locker room for football when we got to uh, suit for varsity as freshmen. I've, I've said this before on many podcasts that there's uh, – you know, you had an ability to fire people up like I've never been around and to get going for the game. And what was amazing about it, too, is that, like, you know, when we got suited up as freshmen and Morgan was in there – and do you remember when he did something called the Rolex where he would take out his uh, – his uh, his piece, and he would wrap it around his uh, wrist in the uh, locker room. Morgan Nielsen. Oh my yeah, God! No, it's, thank it's God. Be- yeah, it's better that you didn't see that. <laughs> I remember he did that once, and it was like, and people kind of started laughing, and you were like, and this was like mid Al Pacino any given Sunday Friday night pump up speech, and Morgan's doing this trying to make seniors laugh, and they start laughing, and you're like, what the fuck? It's so funny, and like we got a game, and and somebody was like, Morgan did the Rolex. You're like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Let's get out there and win. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this guy just like stayed in the pocket with his speech, and like everyone went nuts, and everyone was laughing, and it was like, oh man, it was. What was crazy. Morgan's nickname? What did everybody call him again? Chubbs, right? Chubbs, no. that's what it was. Yeah, Chubbs. What yeah, a great yeah. family, the Nielsen family. Terrific dude, family. unbelievable. And uh, you know, we we 
I want to, at the end, I want to throw some names at you and just get some breakdowns. But I, I do want to know uh, when, when football, like those, the workouts and then the, the camps and then the season, and you said like sleeping there on Fridays, was it ever, did you ever have like a time where you're like, man, I'm, this is, this is too much or like, I'm going to, something's got to, we're going to need to like win next year. Was it, were you always just like, I, I'm not uh, going to move away from this life or were, did you ever set goals of like, all right, if we don't win, like my, here are my expectations for the next three, four years. If it doesn't happen, then maybe it's time for a, a switch. Or when you're a coach, are you just like, let me just act like there's no plan B so I can try to get the best out of this situation. I, th I think the latter is it. I just, you kind of know going into a year that if you're going to be competitive and then you're going to know, boy, it's going to be tough. We're going to have to play. We're going to have to coach better than everybody else. And then we're going to need some guys to be better than we thought they're going to be right. to be successful. So I think you just got to, you got to gauge it like that because everything is about competing. And if you can get a team with average talent to compete, and be in games, man, that's good. And I had no problem with that. Now, when we had a team like when Winslow and those guys, when you're a freshman, in that team, we should win games and we should get into the playoffs. And we got into the playoffs and we ran into a really good Ferndale team and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, they're just oh. better than us. Yeah. You know? And, but that's what it's all about. Maximizing what you have and then somehow taking a team that's not as good and just kind of getting them through. And I think that's what one of my better qualities has always been to take a team that may not be as talented, but competitive as heck, that we're going to come after you every time. And as a coach, that's how I was framed it. Always framed it. Never framed it about putting too much pressure on the team. We got to win it. We got to win. If we're good enough, we're going to win it. I mean, that's the bottom line. So I, maybe I'm a little different that way. I think maybe later on when I got to Hawaii, I may have thought like that. But when I yeah. was at Shortcrest, I never thought like that. Yeah. Did, did anybody at Shortcrest, uh, who was the athletic director when you came in? Oh, gosh. When I started, it was Tam Osborne was yeah. once. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Brian Schultz was once. And then. And do they kind of give you. Do they kind of sit you down and go, yo, this is your. These are your. Uh, it's your ship? Or they. No, they want to. They just never bothered you. They, oh. they, the 80s just don't want controversy. They don't want any problems. They don't want kids who getting into trouble. Yeah. They just want you to make sure that your kids are representing the school well. Never, ever. If I ever had an AD, no matter what school I was at, that would even talk about playing. It was, I was, what can I do to support you so you can make this a great experience for kids? Wow. And that's where people get the misconception. They think that there's pressure from a ministry, well, maybe at some schools, but not at a school like Shortcrest. Yeah. Wait, so tell me we about- we had a lot of at-risk kids, and we're just trying to balance at-risk kids with Lake Forest Park kids, and you oh, know, yeah. down near the, now near the water kids. So we're just trying to balance that whole thing out. Um, how did you, uh, I want to talk about something very specific to me that I've talked about again on many a podcast, which I wrote my college essay on, <clears throat> which nice. was, which was, uh, when, you know, when I, uh, I think it was sophomore, it was sophomore year and we were, we'd done some camps in the fall and then we'd done, you know, summer workout, which was what, five days a week. If you wanted to be, I think it was like polymetrics on Tuesday, Thursday, sure. jumping boxes, which, uh, we were ahead of our time back then too. Oh, dude, you guys, I don't know where you got that workout plan, but that was like, that was some Richard Simmons shit. Like, we were all just breaking <laughs> sweats. Aaron Bauman was, you know, setting bench records and then crushing Sprite cans on his head before 10 a.m. I'm like, where the fuck do we live? Do you remember Aaron that? Aaron Bauman is just this little cheat sheet that he kept in his, in his pants and he pulled it out and he opened it up. He's the weirdest son of, I love him. Dude, yeah. Look at it. And he was looking, oh, today I'm supposed to bench 9,000 pounds, so I'm going to fold this back up, put it in there, and then he'll go do it. You know, that's, that was his motivation. He wanted, he wanted to be wow. the best that he could be. 
He was he the was tight awesome. end, yeah? Tight end, defensive end. Yeah, dude. I mean, that was the type of body that I wanted to play football. Because once, you know, I never thought I was going to play football. And I, once I, once in the fifth grade, when I scored on my own team in, in a soccer game, I was like, that's a wrap on this sport for me. <laughs> because one of my dad, one of my friend's dad said, call me a fucking idiot. And I was like, all right, I am 10. Maybe there's a little bit of leverage here or, uh, you know, but so then Jess Lacasse got me to play uh, football with him and Lamar Patrick and Easton Vanderbogert and Bub and, uh, Jamal, I think Jamal Bowden. Right. And, um, and we, uh, it was, I was in seventh grade, but they were all freshmen in high school with, uh, with you. And so uh, that was like the quickest, I mean, uh, Jason Potts. I mean, dude, the amount of hits I took and the wind that got knocked out of me in the seventh grade, like the coach, we had this coach, I can't remember his name. I want to say it was like. Did Don- you have the Rizzuto, Rizzuto guys as a, young, as a youngster? He had a beard, a beard and he talked like this, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. That guy, Rizzuto? Oh, dude. He wore the same, like, University of Washington Husky starter jacket that smelled like cigarettes and powdered donuts. And, and he would all – Coach Green, I think Green. Yes. There's a guy with Green, yeah. And Casey, I think, was it Belcourt? Yeah, Casey B was with you guys. He was, yeah. So, that, yeah, because I think that was – I mean, I don't know what that – yeah, okay, so you knew of that squad because they had a lot of your guys that I guess was trying yeah. to be an extra, you know um, – you know, select league or whatnot. So Jess played because Lacasse was, you know, that family just born big, you know, uh, big beast uh, of people. And so I'm playing because I'm, you know, Jess, like you got to play, you got a big frame and like, you you know, you're quick fat. And so, uh, and so we'd uh, get in there and, and it was so devastating, but it got me to take that many hits, got me prepped, I think, to come into play for you. And then freshman football, you know, playing the line, I think was doing pretty well. And then sophomore year comes around. And you make me sophomore captain. And, like, I think you and I were really clicking on just, you know, sure. you. I think you just dug the, you know, like anything. I was just going all in and coming to all the workouts and the camps and being fun and just, like, putting my head down, not causing trouble. And so you're like, I'm going to make you sophomore captain. Then Robbie Knowles, who was a senior, who was the offensive guard, who was, I think, the only guy really above me. Uh, so you're always like, you know, stay on your toes because if whatever happens. Then Robbie gets injured uh, in one of the camps. Or, or school happens, something happened, and you're like, hey, man, you're going to start varsity this year on the offensive line. And I was just like, holy shit, like, this is crazy. And then, you know, cut to a couple weeks later, the director of the uh, Short Quest plays like, hey, we're going to do Grease. Uh, I would love you to audition for Danny Zuko. Your competition is, uh, is a, um, uh, a Japanese kid named Danny Park. Uh, you know, not that we're going to let that, uh, you know, we're not going to discriminate, but you know, you do have a better voice. Uh, not that we couldn't do uh, an Asian Zuko. And, um, and so I remember, ha- you know, obviously being torn with this big decision, like football or the play. And uh, I remember I went in there and I want to tell my side of it. And then I want to hear how, how you were just taking that whole thing in. Cause I'm sure you've never experienced that before this, high school musical type uh, situation of somebody telling you they're going to bounce, especially when you've put all this uh, expectations on them. And I sure. walked in one day and I go, coach, I'm thinking about not uh, playing this year and doing, doing the play instead. And you were like, all right, take a, take a, take a couple of weeks, come back and tell me, tell me what you really want to do. And I was like, all right. Uh, and then I went home and mom was like, so what, what did you, cause I remember I talked it through with my mom, shout out to Puddin. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I love football. I don't know if I'm going to go prone it. This acting thing's really cool. I think if I play football, I'll be doing it to please the coach and, and not do what I want to do. And she's like, well, you can't live your life trying to please other people like that. That's no way to do it. And she's like, I think you have your answer. And so, and, uh, and then I was like, yeah, but then if this affects basketball, like, dude, my world will be crumbled. And then I'll just have to, I'll have to commit to Danny Zuko. I'll have to wear, I'll be that kid in high school with a leather jacket and makeup on. <laughs> hanging, out, hanging out in the woods. 
<laughs> so so I go in two weeks later and I was like, and I walk, and it was like out of a movie, dude. I walked down. You were in your office, of course. So you're in like the furthest, most isolated spot for me to have to really think about it again. It's almost like you planned it. You're like, dude, walk down the long hallway and see if you change your mind. So I'm walking down this hallway and I get in there. I knock on the door, you know, I'm like, coach, like, come on in. And you're down, looking down. So I don't even have your attention. And I'm just like, you know what I'm here to do. And I'm just like trying to make a joke. So I was like, I, I can't uh, memorize the playbook this year. I got to memorize the lyrics to Grease Lightning. And you're like, all right, good luck. And I was like, all right, see you. See you when I, all right, Pete. And you're like, yep, bye. And I was like, okay. And I walked out and I was just so like, fuck, I had this overwhelming feeling of letting you down and then thinking about what's going to do for hoops. And then I go through the play and it's obviously like, you know, an amazing experience and is what put me on the track to make, uh, you know, acting and just this whole thing a part of my business. So it was a, you know, incredibly uh, important decision. And then you came to the matinee. I remember even too, I'd see you in the hallways because you're doing security at the school. I'd see you and you kind of, we kind of exchanged looks, which was fair. It was just kind of like, oh man, like he's so fucking pissed. And I let him down. And then you came, surprised me. And you came to the matinee show with your kids. And, uh, and that was like a really cool move. And you kind of like smiled and we're like, you're like, well, it didn't suck. And you're like, it was pretty good. You're like, you got a better voice than I thought. And I was like, yeah, this is a very coach response. And I appreciate you came and your kids were all about it. We took pictures and, and, uh, yeah, that was awesome, dude. And then, well, I'll speak about the next part, but, but give me a coach the, the side of it from your, from your uh, perspective, because again, I think that's one of those things that, that is not in the coach's handbook of how to deal that with something like that. Oh, sure. It's, it's got to be person to person now. Right. But also you want my best. Absolutely. Person, but. I think this is the best way for me to put it, that you, you don't treat every kid the same, but you treat them all fairly and every kid's different. And there's some kids that would barely come around, wouldn't show up. And then, when they did kind of show up and show around, that's when those are the people I used to drill and just get and just go after them hard because I knew they had nothing because, but they kept coming back to us because that's, this is something they're like, they kind of want, but they have other kind of sideline things. I mean, they're, they're, we had a linebacker, Kuno Park, who was kind of that type of kid. And I just kept, I just wanted him to be a part of it, but he wanted to do something else. So I would rip the crap, just tear him apart anytime I saw him. You was different because you're a company guy. You're a card carrying member of the uh, of Gata, and you were part of it. Yeah, and it, you were a leader, and we and we knew that. And when you came to me, I'm not going to say I was happy. I'm not going to say that um, that I was mad, but I knew because this is something that was very important to you, and you're still doing something important to the school. Because to me, it was all about the school. I want a girls volleyball to be good. I want a cross country to be good. I want a football to be good. I want a basketball to be good. And I knew you'd come back to this eventually. If it wasn't, if you weren't coming back to football, I knew you'd play basketball because you're a gritty gutty guy and you need gritty gutty guys in basketball. I mean, it's yeah. as simple as that. You just, yeah. you just can't have all shooters. Um, and was I disappointed? I don't think I was disappointed. I was just like, oh God, here we go. Who's yeah. next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I understood where you're coming from. And I, and, I was, and I wanted to make sure that you knew that I supported your decision. Yeah, now, I'm not gonna, you know, I didn't bring you flowers after your performance. <laughs> Which I still, dude, it still bumps me out. I was like, this is the least he could do. You don't even have to get, hand him off. You could have left him outside the stage door. You know, message received. But it, but it was, it was, I was happy for you because that was what you did. And then you know what? 12 years later, 
I see you're headlining some kind of comedy show. And then I see you in a movie with Sandra Bullock. And I go, holy fuck, that's Adam Ray. Yeah, yeah. And I go, that's awesome. So, I mean, would, it, would I have loved to have you? Would you have done a good job for us that year? Absolutely, because you were just geared in. You were, you were bought in. You, we had nothing to have to say to you to make you do what we wanted you to do. But it doesn't mean it's, I mean, it didn't work out because, you yeah. know, I had three texts this week from people saying, you better give them shit about Danny Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, well you Casey, Casey B sent me one, Don Del Zeal said, hey, I wasn't even a coach, <laughs> but you better give Adam Ray some shit about Danny Zuko. <laughs> oh my God, Donnie D. Yeah, dude, that is, uh, well, and, and the fact, and again, dude, and this is what I, what I told you uh, or texted you after I saw you in Hawaii is like, Getting so you know you did football and basketball coaching basketball was my first love so again that's why I was so uh, concerned that it was going to affect that because I was like man if I can't hoop you know shit when it was just my mom and I growing up and before we got a hoop put in you know I was had the garbage can outside like in the rain I mean anywhere it was just truly you know uh, my my first love and again going back to seeing you coaching uh, in the early nineties I was like I got I'm playing for that team on a packed Friday night and just being a part of it was was so such a big deal and and you know the tryouts for basketball overlapped with the show a little bit and and uh and you know I was on the freshman team that didn't really uh hurt it and then when we got to JV and, and junior year now it's like you know the commitment is like a little bit uh more uh you know required and uh and demanded and I remember like I, I came to you and I was like dude these days I'm gonna miss on this and you know, it's such a, I can't even under, uh, understate how sweet it was that you were like, all right, well, what days can you come on? And when, when does rehearsal end on these days? Here's when the tryouts are like, come for what you can come for. And you didn't say, you didn't even like guarantee you're like, come on those days and st and, and, and show up and do what you got to do. And, uh, and I'll at least like, not, you didn't at least say like, oh, you can't make all of it. So don't show up. You're like, show up to this stuff and, and, and show me what you got and we'll see. And which was awesome. And to me, that just said, all right, outwork everybody on the court. Don't miss a shot. Like just be, be dialed in. And, uh, and you let me, you know, stay a part of the program, which was huge, dude, because I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to bring inside the coach's office right now. And I'm going to give you a little something that this is true in 99% of programs in America. Yeah. We know who's going to be on our team. Oh, Once shit. in a while, like, during, during tryouts, some kid, We'll go, who, who's that guy? And then you go, okay, we got to watch this guy maybe four or five days because maybe he just had a good day. And you got to find out, okay, what kind of player is this guy? So we knew you are going to be on our team. Oh, okay. But I, but I had to find out what your commitment level was going to be. Yeah. And because I knew once you, you were there, you're going to do it. But when coaches say, we're all lying. We know who, <laughs> I know who our team is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I know, to, I, know who our, I know who our best player is and I know who our worst player is. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean that's our job. Yeah, you know you're gonna get Amit Nakash, uh, you know two two uh, Indian sharpshooters. By the way, just to go ahead at a few things about giving me shit for days ago. Do you remember? You're freezing when up on. Oh shit, we good? No, we're good right now. Go ahead. Okay, good. Do I remember what? Do you remember during basketball? And this was you know to back to Dale Zeal saying you giving me shit. I was running a play and I was fucking it up, and I remember. And, you know, because we would all joke about this and, and you know, about this, the lines that you would toss out to certain people. And I screwed up a, on a some play, cut into the wrong corner. And you were like, sorry, I don't have a script for this fucking play, Adam, right? And I was like, oh, shit, man. 
and we all lost it. And it well, was see, like you opened me up for that because <laughs> I, you gave me that opportunity. Yeah. When we when you came to basketball. Yeah. Now I have all this. I could just go thespian on you anytime yeah. I want. I used to call you the actor all the time. Uh, yeah. Tell people, where's the actor? You see the yeah. actor today? <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was. I think you even made me sing a part of Grease Lightning after one practice just to close it out. I wouldn't. Um, yeah, um, yeah, dude, you had some some great uh, some great lines. You and, you said when when Joey away and you sent me that nice note about what you guys talking about. I forget what is what did you what did I say to to Joey that one time? But, oh, to Joey and Tonesich. Oh, well, well, it was no, it was Joey and I were were laughing about what you were saying to uh, Chunny because we had. Um, Chunny and Chuny, remember, were uh, the brothers that had turbans. And uh, yes. I think we had Chunny <laughs> on the freshman team. And again, like, nobody was off limits. You were like, you had just gotten saying to, like, Amit Nakash, like, what is it, Ramadan? How come you guys can't hit a shot? And then you said that. <laughs> and by the way, dude, we still laugh about that. I mean, I just saw Amit Nakash a little over a year ago. And we were just laughing about it. But you said, you were like, Chunny, Chuny. You're like, what the fuck is even a Chunny? And this kid's just like, I don't know, man. That's just my name. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> dude, it was like, yeah, dude. But like, you know, and it's it's like that stuff goes a long way too because you know to 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 really cut with with the uh, the fire like that when you're trying to get through to your players. Like, if you can say some funny shit like that, it definitely takes the edge off. And we can oh, like, you absolutely. know. So I don't know if that was intentional, but. I mean, my my humor was I never I never said I'm gonna walk into a practice and make people laugh, but I mean, there's always times. I mean, there's certain people that you can just use as punchlines. I mean, Morgan was a walking punchline, <laughs> but but he was great at it and he could take it. Yeah. And then he was talented enough as a player that it really wouldn't affect his psyche. He just knew that was just part of the love, you know, that's oh, yeah. just what happens. Yeah. And then after practice, you go up and you pat him on the ass and you give him a hug. And yeah. that's you always got to bring him back, Adam. You always got to bring him back. You go after somebody and you get him in the gutter around 15 times. You better circle around before you leave that day, unless you meant it, to, to make sure that kid's all right. That's that's part of the whole deal, too. You always wow. got to circle back. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, I remember you did that to me my first taste of – true shortcrest basketball again is on the freshman team and you did this great thing we let the freshman practice with the varsity just get a taste of the uh you know real game experience and just a better competition and there was a drill where it was basically you had a guy up top with the ball and you had a, a defender and an offensive player and you basically had to uh get the ball and then kind of do uh some you know one-on-one -on -one, uh action and then i think at one point it was just truly break it was for the defender to deny and, and just truly D up and stick this guy to where he couldn't get the ball. And man, I mean, I don't know if you remember when I had that floppy ass, you know, players used to call me uh, gay Elvis, like from opposing teams because I had this big poofy Jufro that was flopping down. Remember when I had a headband freshman year? I yes. yeah. And so I got this hair. <laughs> oh, dude, now you tell me. Yeah, where were you 20 years ago? So I'm wearing this headband, the hair's flopping over and I'm guarding BJ Lasconia, who's, you know, you're starting, I think as a junior, he was your starting point guard, or maybe, but yeah, I think Bub was the point guard, BJ was the two guard, and uh, maybe a caution there, and Yousef, it was a good, a good group, and, uh, and BJ, you know, was one of these raw talent kids, right, that I think worked hard, you know, but obviously I think was also like working the girls, and, you know, had other priorities, and was like getting, getting oh, off absolutely. on, absolutely. 
yeah, this guy was like, I got a lot of raw talent and I'm going to work, but you could just tell he was, he was uh, Mr. Cool. And, and um, but he, but he was an, an incredible basketball player. And I remember I was like, all right, I'm guarding this guy in this drill. And you would kind of, I saw you watching cause you're watching like, this is a weird matchup. You got gay Elvis on your star, one of your star players. And, and, uh, and, and I saw you watch, I was like, this is my chance to show the coach, this guy that I saw running up and down the sidelines, losing his mind in, in the early nineties. Like now I'm here in the gym. This is my shot. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and dude, I deed up BJ so hard, stole the ball, maybe four out of the six times. And the other two, he, the guy wouldn't passed it and it just got deflected away. So he never got it. And I was so, I mean, I was, you know, to quote Kevin Calabro, I was all over him like a wetsuit. And, uh, and I was just, he couldn't, I was just, you know, I was just locked in, dude. And wasn't fouling and was just the perfect amount of space and contact to, to have in a high school situation. And uh, BJ, I don't know if you remember, was getting frustrated and frustrated. And to the point to where finally he just grabbed me and threw me to the ground and uh and got in my face and was like you gotta fucking get off me man you fucking do it you're on me too close and just went off and i'm on the ground like hey man chill i'm just trying to play defense i'm just trying to impress the coach he's right over there dude you might want to take it down or not because he can see you man this is not a good look for you <laughs> and uh and uh, you came over and you immediately was like bj get the fuck like you're out of practice go i remember him hitting that door you know it's got that little metal thing so it just makes that sound when you open it he walks out I'm looking around. Chris DeLeon walks over to me. He's like, dude, BJ's going to kick your ass at school tomorrow. <laughs> and I was I just like, oh, uh, yeah. But I was like, coach had my back. And you were just like, I remember you looked over at me. You were like, way to play D. And I was like, oh, man. And that dude, that like went everywhere with me. But I, uh, that talk about a, again, like you having to, like, you know, you saw what was kind of going down. And then you gave me that pat on the back more or less. And I'm sure – with beads, I don't know what was done, but I'm sure it's just kind of like a, all right, you got frustrated, like loose cannon, he'll be back tomorrow, right? Or do you address that? Do you hit him up the next day? Or Oh, I, I remember specifically what I talked to him about it because I always said he was lazy with the ball and you just made, you were just perfect. You're perfect. You're gritty, gutty. I'm going to D up. I don't, I just want to do what the coach says. My arms are out, my palms are <laughs> up, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and he was a very quick and talented athlete, but who really didn't work hard on his game. Yeah. And he'd probably tell you that to this day. He didn't work oh, yeah. as hard as he could have, as he should have. And he would have been really good. But I just remember, dude, you're lazy with the ball. So guys like that are always going to be a pain in the ass to you. Yeah. You better start pivoting. You better start jab stepping. You better just start doing stuff to get guys off you. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of guys don't do that. So it was perfect. I did that. I used to do that all the time for two reasons. One, so the young guys get a taste. Two, that if the young guys are doing it wrong, can yell at them for five minutes so my older guys can just take a, a mental break because right. I'm always yelling at them, right? Right. So there's all, but I never had a situation where a young guy came up and kind of took it to an old guy. So right. that was pretty cool. So <laughs> I mean, that kind of so didn't shock me because I knew who you were, but it, but it was something that doesn't happen because kids always defer, right? Nobody right. really wants to show anybody up. Right. I mean, Mike Nelson showed people up, but he was already a varsity player as a ninth grader, so it didn't matter. Was he and really? He was just better than everybody else. Yeah. Mike was awesome. Wow. He really was, dude. Sing and play with Gonzaga, too, must have just made your, uh, your heart so oh, warm. Yeah, that, huh? was so, that was so cool. And now he's running a basketball academy up in Spokane, and he's involved in the game, and his kids are playing. And, and like I said, that family, the Nielsen family, one of my favorite families at Shortcrest. Yeah, rock cool. stars. Also, Pam Nielsen, the mom of moms. I mean, 
you can't get any better to when she calls me up or no, she's, she, I'm bagging groceries at Albertsons and I think it's a sophomore year and she comes, she comes in and I'm bagging all her stuff and, and taking it in the car. She goes, Adam, what do I do? I go, what? And she goes, Morgan got locked out of the house. So he took a shit in the driveway. I don't know. Do I ground him? Do I ground him? Do I, do I tell him? She's like, I told him he couldn't come inside for a couple hours. I, even that I feel weird about. I'm like, Pam, I gotta be honest. I, I don't know what the, uh, what the rule book is on this one. I feel like you played it right. I was like, go with your instincts. She's like, I think I should let him back in. It's been a couple hours. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, what is he doing? She's like, he's just roaming around the house, like the outside perimeter, you know, looking through the window. He is. <laughs> and and uh, that Chubb's look with that eyes and his head tilted, just walk, I could just picture it right now. Oh, he used to, Morgan used to do this thing when we would swim at the uh, Civic Club in Lake Washington, right? We used to uh, go out there because their house was right on the water. So we'd go to the Civic Club yeah. and then we'd swim over to the Nielsen's and kick it. And Pam would just give us all the snacks that we could ask for. And Morgan did this thing called the Loch Ness Monster where he would, he would be his eyes just above the water like this, right? And he would just kind of like look at you. And if he locked eyes with you, you'd go, oh, shit. And then he'd go under and then you'd swim as fast <laughs> as you could to shore because he did something called an underwater sukiyaki where he would take his hands like this and drive them <laughs> up. In between oh, your uh, your cheeks, and dude, it was the f when he did it to Alan Christie. I will never forget. I was I almost drowned because I'm crying, laughing, trying to tread water, because I'm watching Alan like mac on a girl, and Morgan <laughs> just started coming over to him, and out of nowhere did it. But did did you ever during a uh, a practice? Did you ever? Um, I don't know. Was there was there a time in basketball where you were like, all right, like this this squat like you mentioned in, in Arizona and the and breaking the chalkboard because of the way you know we were kind of being loose cannon kids the day before we had this free day and I think you know like you said some people were I think even drinking and we were getting into trouble and so you know I want you I want you to speak to that then how that translates once you know about that and then the next day at the game do you go in going all right if these guys play just unreal basketball for 48 minutes and they're dialed in and they're not tired then I won't say a thing. But if I see an ounce of, um, you know, uh, of, of tiredness and just lack of hustle, and I'm going to attribute it to the, to the night before, then I'm going to lose my shit. Well, first of all, I had no idea people were drinking. So. Ooh, <laughs> well, 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 I will not <laughs> name names. <laughs> John Casey. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Um, Johnny K. It, it was just during that first half, and I'm looking at Lucas, and I'm going – it doesn't matter who we put out there. We are literally just walking through the motions of this game. And I thought we were, I didn't think we were great, but I knew we were going to be competitive. So this, I knew we, we this team yeah, was, yeah, this team was, you had Jason Fike at the point guard. You had, uh, sure. you know, Mark Hayner, you had a, a Mitt Nakash, you had, um, you know, Jess Lacasse, Chris Du, myself that you all had playing, and Ben and John. I think we were all doing varsity that junior year, right? Yeah. That was like, I mean, you had, I mean, coming off the bench, I think even maybe Jay Roby started, but you got Ben and John were just like this. I don't know, like, you know, arsenal of quickness that you could put in at any point and kind of yeah. turn a game, right? Um, that, that, that was their job. They're the Hanson brothers. Yeah. They're supposed to go out there and just create havoc, right? Yeah. With their feet. Yeah. Because they're so competitive in the soccer stuff. But in the second half, all of a sudden we start playing better. And then we ended up winning our last two games over there and we played really well. And I was yeah. really happy about that. Yeah. But it was just so, you could just tell that, God, what's wrong? How do we get this group going? And I just got mad. Yeah. And then I broke the chalkboard and just 
dropped 50,000 F-bombs. And, you know, sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> did you ever, did, when that happened, did you, and, and then, you know, you made a change of scenery. Was there, did you have, I don't know, regrets? Did you have, like, were you bummed out? Or did you kind of, kind of take a step back and go, you know what, it was time for a change. And I don't know if there would have been one had something not, like this occurred for me to kind of get a change of scenery and because then you kept coaching in Hawaii and very successfully and it seems like dude just from even seeing your posts on uh, Facebook or whatnot I was like oh this guy just seems like way happier you know what I'm saying like did you have to or were you bummed uh -oh. out that it went down that way I was bummed out but you know what I had the other job too and that was a whole big factor because you know in the mornings I would be driving to Centralia then have to go drive to Everett then get to practice by five o'clock and I was, I was dying. And so that, I had to make a decision because I chose, that's why I quit football, that I have this job and I can't do it anymore. And the, the medical supplies, not, right? Yeah, and, the, and the, being in the OR with um, orthopedic surgeons. And so it was just like, man, I'm not, I don't know if I was giving my effort that I always gave because I, had, I was cut too thin. And plus I had two young kids at home. But when I got to Hawaii, I wasn't going to coach again because I wanted to concentrate on the job. But I'm here for one month, and then Punahou, which is the school of Manti Teo and, Ob and Obama and Michelle Wee. I mean, this is a prestigious big-time school. Their job opens up. And so I said, oh, what the heck? I apply for it. I get it. And now I'm back in. Wow. But now it's just locked into basketball. I can still do my morning job and do a great job at that and then do basketball. So that's why it's been, for, you know, for 17 years, coaching high school basketball only has been easy. It's when you added football on one end, oh. my job, where I had to drive all over Western Washington and then Wait. throw track on the other side of it. You know, so I was all oh, that's it. right, dude. And, dude, anywhere security at the school with, yeah. um, with Bo Jordan. Yeah. So, I mean, it was – and I'm waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, coming to campus, and it was, it was, it was the grind. It was the really – Damn, dude. Um, did, what did you take from your SE uh, hoop experience that you just, I mean, obviously now you're seasoned that you took to the Hawaii job. Well, I took a lot of Marv Morris with me um, because Marv Morris was a different man. I mean, he was, he was a, a very respectful, very, very quiet, very subtle type person. In turn, and if he had the right group, like the Mike Nelson type kids and Travis Greer and we had Chris Leonard, all these, and Lucas when Lucas played. Oh yeah, I mean that was that was perfect group for him because there was a, your best players bought into him. So when your wild cards like Chris Linhart, they go, okay, these two guys are in, I'm in, and then Lucas would go, okay, these guys are in, I'm in. So it was really important that when you're like Marv, you had some guys. So a lot of things that Marv did, I take, I took with me a lot of things that uh, Yeomans in football his organizational skills i was really admired his organizational skills and then Taloff with the way um i don't know you never coach Taloff, right oh yeah coach. for baseball yeah yeah he, yeah he was a football coach when i first got there and, and just the way he was for him it was just grit everything was grit and people just have to you know rub their hands in mud and get it all dirty and get ready to punch somebody in the nose and that part of there's a little piece of everybody that you can bring with you wherever you go so my short crest days were the best. I can never recapture at Punahou that relationship that I had with you guys at the public school because it was a private school. People paying 20 grand a year right, to go to that school. Oh, but wow. when I left Punahou and went to Moanalua, which is a public school, and we had black kids, military black kids, and we had local tough kids from the apartments, 
that was the best mix. For that seven years, it was the closest thing I got to Shortcrest because these are kids that I have relationships with today. I mean, I'm, you know, go to their weddings, wow. send me pictures of their kids, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Shortcrest, it was, it was always, it was always my favorite stop because coaches, my best friends, I mean, Brian Schultz, Rob Petschel, Jason yeah. Kerr, Big Bo, I mean, all those guys, KCB, the Sharp Brothers, I mean, just good, good people. Was there, um, do you remember at camp this one time, just to go back to the Ben and John Robeson, because, and again, your, your ability to like, you know, be fired up in a moment, but then just take it for what it is. We were playing, I think it was Roosevelt, and Ben, you know, Ben and John Robeson, like, I mean, dude, I thought I had fire when I played on the court and like got into some scuffles and got some tees, but like, like I remember one time I, I almost got a tee. Yeah. I hit a three and was just going nuts. And by the way, this is when I was a, a, a junior in a varsity game and was running down the court, and you were just looking at me like, and I was just going crazy, and I was like, what? You're like, dude, act like you've been there before. You're like, it's the first quarter, you got one three. I was like, ah, oh, shit, my bad. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, Ben and John we just you know, had so much fire, and Ben got into this one guy, this up in Western at camp, and, and they were going back and forth, and you could tell something was gonna snap, and, and you know, John obviously like got his tooth knocked out one day and kicked the guy in the face while he was on the ground, but Ben, this guy, Goes up for a layup, and Ben, I don't know if you remember, grabbed the guy in midair and then just tackled him to the ground and then took his jersey off and walked to the bench. And, dude, your face, because we used to do the Coach T face when you were just so pissed, but you didn't have words for it, where you were just like. <laughs> and and then you, you knew something bad was coming because you would just go, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> and so you did that to Ben, and you just watched him, and he, Ben takes his own jersey off and sits down on the bench because he knows that he's, you know, he's ejected. And you're just watching him like this. And then all of a sudden, it just turned into a smile. And you were just like, I can't not, like, laugh at that. Like, because Ben just sat down. And then the ref was like, yeah, I mean, he's out. All right, he's out. You're sitting down. All right, you know you're out. All right, yeah, you can't do that. All right, this isn't football. It's bad. You just tackled a guy. All right, you know. Um, is that – You know, when you, you know, I've had kids like him here at Kamehameha, when I was at Kamehameha, um, football guys that you know when you keep them on your team and you know what they are athletically that they're going to do stuff that's going to cause problems in a game of basketball once in a while so when you when you bring those people in you know i knew we knew once you put the the hansen tw the brothers out there something's going to happen oh yeah it's just going to happen because well, dude, that's they were soccer players too you know like yeah and soccer allows you to get up underneath people and allows you to do tricky things with your feet and you know if you're really good at soccer you understand that kind of stuff and so the, yeah. those guys that was their deal and if they made a layup then it was then it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um what do you uh what do you miss most about living in seattle like obviously like i love how much you post about just sports in general like when sports resumes um you know uh which is just crazy to even think about but like you know, you're pretty active with just, you know, watching everything and having an opinion about it. And like, you know, I can't wait for this Jordan doc to come out early. I'm sure I'm going to hit you up about oh. it. Like as it's going, just to, just to rap about it. Um, but uh, you're just a true sports fan, which is, I think you can't not be if you're going to coach as long as you did too, right? Like you have to, like in those days when you're coaching us, were you watching like Sonic's game? Would you have time to watch Sonic's games and see stuff in the pros that you would go, oh shit, maybe there's some stuff I can pull from this to, to bring into our, our situation? All the time. 
I watch games differently. I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of times you get, you get focused on the ball and you just watch the ball and stuff. But when I watch football, I watch basketball, I watch stuff away from the ball. I try to as much as possible, unless it's, you know, some kind of big game. It's, yeah. it's the Hawks or somebody. But that's how I watch games. I watch it in a, in a, through a different lens, and I like seeing what certain people do. And then, you know, you copy it, you read up on it, internet what a novel thing not only can you get the flashlight but you can also get plays and <laughs> good callback code <laughs> dude so, so it's, it's, the internet has been amazing for coaches and if you can't get any knowledge off the internet then you're not just you're not doing your job if you just right. think you know what you're just running flex and a two three zone then you're you're useless i mean there's so many things out there to grab and but basketball nowadays is a whole different ball game, baby. It is just, it is. I mean, wait till, wait till the youngest ball makes it to the NBA. Oh my you think God. Trey Young shoots from far? This kid is going to take two dribbles and just fire. And wow. that's, that's the way it's coming, man. Is that, did you start to see some of that in, uh, in your last years of coaching? Like some of these guys yeah. like dribbling too much and trying to beat Steph Curry and, you know. Well, what's happened? None, none of that stuff off the okay. dribble pulling up. But my last, because I've been out for two years now, and the last four years, it's all penetration pitch. It's all dribble drive. It's all the Calipari stuff and spacing and just people trying to break you off the dribble and just kicks. I mean, my teams, we incorporate a little bit of that. Um, but I was always been a set guy, a lot of set plays, a lot of action. Some stuff, some stuff that we used to do at Shortcrest, I still do now, just as entries to certain things. But nowadays, it's not even penetration pitch. Nowadays, it's just ball screens. Get your best player, one of your bigs, space three guys around the other side, and it's just come off ball screens. And that's now, it's how do you as a defensive coach adapt to all the ball screens? Do you right. want to switch it? Do you want to hedge it? Do you want to double it? Do you want to force it, ice it, all that kind of stuff? So that, at least there's still a lot of strategy involved. But then basketball, coaching basketball now defensively is kind of easy because everybody does the same thing. So you just have to have your defensive mindset of how you want to handle certain things. Did you love uh, living in Seattle during that time with sports? I mean, it's... Uh, when you were in high school and when we were living there, so that's from the nineties to the beginning of the two thousands, that was the, well, Seahawks weren't good yet. I mean, obviously after, but the hot, but the Sonics and the Mariners, what a wow. time, the dogs. I mean, what a time. I mean, that was just, Good stuff. And we miss it. My wife is from Shoreline. She went to Shoreline High and oh, wow. she would love to move. She would love to live in Seattle again because of the seasons. She misses winter. She misses it's fall. real, dude. I know. I like being able to do this 365 <laughs> days a year. Because I mean Well, I, you're an I LA boy. Oh, but I play golf probably on four or five times a week. So do you, you really can't do that in, in Seattle. You just can't. I was going to say, what's your secret, dude? Because you're looking svelte, your skin looks clean, you know, you look like you're, you just, you're getting, is it just getting sun constantly and just like having the outdoors at your fingertips? I don't know what it is. I think I'm a human waste pile. I have like <laughs> 260 pounds. <laughs> I, I drink too much. Oh, um, no. I play a lot of golf. So that's my exercise. But like I said, we bought a Batman. I was at Costco for two hours a day with a mask and gloves. Good for we you. We bought badminton set to go downstairs and we bought some bikes. So instead of walking, we're going to bike around today. So, uh, so she does. So moving back is. Do you think that'll ever happen, or are you guys? You're. I'm set? sure it will. Really? I'm sure it will. Yeah, I think because um, you know I got into the real when I got out of basketball. I got into the oh real yeah, state. yeah. Yeah, and I'm, st I'm still in the OR in the mornings, but now my competition is about trying to help people find houses and sell houses. So I want to do that for around ten years, and then you know when I'm in my mid sixties, and maybe we make that move back. Damn, dude. 
All right. Well, maybe, maybe by that time, I'll, uh, I'll be trying to buy a place up in Seattle and you can, uh, you can be my agent. Um, well, the next time you come here, you got to, do you play golf? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's a bunch of comedians we used to play pretty regularly, but, um, uh, there's a, so many great courses out here. And you know, when I do gigs in Arizona or Vegas, I try to hit one of the spots cause they got great courses, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll for sure. I oh, played, did you? I played two rounds of Bel Air. Yeah, we had some friends or members over there. What a place. Great place. Yeah, I mean, that's just like one of the top spots. It did um did you get to do do you miss the seasons yourself or or like for things like that? Or like when it gets a little gloomy, do you go because I'm the same way. When I got to LA to go to um uh USC, you know, a week of being here, I was like, how did I live in that dog shit weather in Seattle? But it's, you know, you grow up in it, so you don't know anything different. And I was like, this rules. I can wear shorts every day. And, I mean, it's, you know, and your, 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 um, your mood is affected by it. I didn't realize that, again, because you just kind of adjust when it's raining. You're like, all right, let me make some home movies with my buddies inside. We'll, you know, try to, you know, have some girls over. We'll play some video games. But it's like, come on, man. It's like, look, look at, it's, it's way better. There is nothing worse than 40 degrees and rainy. It's just, I don't know how people even handle that. It's yeah. just so miserable, so uncomfortable. And here it's 82 because we have trade winds. So it's 82 degrees with a, a nice breeze every single day. I, I, weather never used to be important to me till we moved back here. Mm. And then when I moved back here, I go, man, weather's kind of cool, you know, because you can do stuff. And, you know, and obviously golf, my wife and I, she plays a lot. We have a bunch of friends who play. So that's part of lifestyle. Right? You have to have a lifestyle. That's yeah. what it's all about. And golf is part of our life. Do you guys play, uh, you said you, you what's, what's your drink of choice, by the way? Like, I've been pounding some Cazé Azul tequila the last few nights, and uh, it, it's already time for uh, me my bottle, big, unfortunately. My beer is called Chimay. It's a Belgian beer. You ever have Chimay beer? Wow. So it's, and it's at like nine points something. So you get, you, you oh, know, look at a you. couple yeah. of yeah, yeah. <laughs> But when I'm on the course, I'm a Coors Lake on the course, nice. and then a couple, a couple of fireballs on, in the front and the back just to, calm my nerves so i can putt a little bit better dude, i love that dude yeah there <laughs> dude a couple fireballs yeah there's um there's something really calming about just having a quick like uh before i did the first only time i've done a um, couch interview when i did it for uh the heat for, on craig ferguson show and i'm backstage with my buddy and he's like i'm just kind of nervously pacing and he's like uh he's like take a little shot of jack and i was like i ain't gonna be drunk out there and he goes you're gonna be drunk off a tiny little thing of jack and i was like all right good point so it took a little thing like that, dude. It just like calmed me down just enough to be able to just like kind of uh, you know let loose. Uh, so do you hear and that, kids? A little shot just, goes a long way. Just a little bit. Everything in moderation. And we're just here to help uh, yeah. the kids. It's all about the kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it could be a placebo effect for all we know. We just dude, think that it's working. That's what I'm saying. To calm you down. Do, do you, um, how many people do you keep in touch with from, uh, from your SC days? Like, I know you said, like, obviously I'm, I'd be curious, like when you do go back, like, you know, there'd probably be like, like I was telling you, I got so many messages and it sounds like you got some too of, uh, people that were, you know, just saying how pumped they are to listen to this and ask him this. And you got to talk about this. And, uh, and I was like, get your own show, mind your fucking business. And, uh, you know, and, um, and so I'm always curious, like how many people, because you've, been in so many uh people's lives are you actively like responding to or checking in with or having actual like consistent dialogue i mean fa facebook is amazing right yeah facebook is it's changed our our ability to 
reconnect with so many kids. So that's the best part about it. And just seeing everybody, seeing your career, you know, me and Dougie Clark were always like really close. And oh, nice. called him when he, when he went to Air Force and when he came back and went to UW and now married with his kids. So, and he's, I, he's visited me when he came to the town once. I mean, we hooked up and hung out for a while. Oh, dope. Yeah, Tommy Edwardson, Edwardson, obviously you. I, mean, I just saw Tommy stuff. out in D.C. He came to my shows. I was there for New Year's. So we uh, yep. and did it out Tom there. Tom and I yeah. went and had a couple of beers. And he's, That's awesome. He's exactly what I thought he would be. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing. There's, he is everything I thought he would be. I know. Which is awesome. Oh, yeah, dude. Great. So staying, I mean, I try to stay in touch with as many. I mean, when people post stuff, and unless they get a little crazy, if they're on the little crazy side, eh, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll read their post, but I don't yeah. know if I'm you're like, Hey man, social distancing, social distancing. <laughs> like, well, come on coach. It's on the internet. You're like, nah, yeah, he's got to do it here too. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you, uh, and the coaches, coaches wise try to stay on top of me and Delziel will, will text once in a while and just follow what's going on with his family. And I mean, it's really easy now because now we see it, you know, with yeah. Instagram and, Twitter is that's a whole Twitter's a whole different thing, man. That's a that's that's not a thing to stay in touch with anybody. That is just the most evil atmosphere in the world. Oh yeah, I, I cannot believe. Do you enjoy the um, watching like athletes though, like interact online? Like when we had, you know, we I don't know if you listened to the Gary Payton interview that we did at this podcast. If you haven't, you got to pull it up when you when you got a down hour, but, you know, and had Sue Bird on a couple months ago, and um, but GP. I mean, A was just the fucking greatest guy. I was going to do shows in Vegas before it got canceled. And I was messaging on Instagram with GP because I wore a Peyton shirt on Lights Out with David Spade. And so he hit me up. and was like, thanks for the shout out. And I was like, fuck yeah. Then we just started like going back and forth. He's like, I live in Vegas. Like I saw you doing shows. Like hit me up. I'll come out, bring the crew. I was like, all right. It looks like we're going to be best friends. And then the gigs get canceled. And I hit up Gary. <laughs> oh, no yeah. response, you know. But, um, but uh he always said like, man, if we had like the social media and the stuff that they have now, like back in our days and cell phones, he's like, bro, he's like, we would have been, I mean, he started laughing about all this shit. He's like, dude, some of the shit that I saw, like the people would be saying and like getting into, he's like, it'd be, you know, trouble. So he's like, I, you know, I'm so glad we missed that era. But, but I think as a fan now you're like, oh, thank God we have it because getting to see these guys even now do each other's like podcasts and post videos. Like, do you pay attention to, to that stuff at least? Or? Yeah, well, sure. Cause now we get yeah. to go inside the curtain. I mean, the curtain's yeah. not accessible, right? Yeah. I mean, it's become accessible to you because of, of what you've done with your career. So you get to look behind the curtains that we don't get to see. And right. it, it, I mean, it's really cool. Just this, I mean, everybody's kind of a real person out there, right? They're just not the person we see shooting hoops or kicking field goals or throwing touchdown passes. So uh, it's cool. I mean, I, I, when, when LA two years ago before LeBron came over, that whole team lived their life via Twitter with Josh Hart and, oh, yeah. and, and ball and Kuzma. And it was, just, it was kind of funny. And then I, then it kind of got a little nasty and then that put a, put an end to it. But yeah. we got to go inside the curtain and watching how people interact using the social media stuff. So I think it's cool if, if it's done right. It's, it's very cool. Now your kids are a little bit uh, older now, but today, you know, how was it being a dad, like just, you know, charting those waters with them in social media and, or do they always we have never a good had a handle? problem because it was right. It was right when it got, I mean, cause Jordan's 29 and Kendall's going to, is going to be 26. So it wasn't really when they were graduating from high school, it was just the big boom part of it. So that's 10 years ago. Right. And I say around 10 years ago. And uh, yeah. so it's never really been an issue. We never had wow. an issue with that whatsoever. And they both don't, they keep somewhat low profile. I mean, I'm way more 
live my line, live my life online than those two guys. Yeah. I mean, wow. That's because I've always posted because my job is supposed to. Yeah. The job that I do. That's got to be a breath of fresh air then that you don't have to worry about them like posting oh. weird photos that's going to get them fired from their job or just saying something politically charged that you're like, dude, just think it, don't say it. Like you're going to get in trouble. Not everybody cares what your opinions are. Nope. They never get into that. And God, that whole politically charged thing, God, it is so, it is. I don't even know what to say. It's, oh, it's I know, awful. dude. Yeah, I know. Um, it just brings out it just brings out the worst in people on both sides. Oh yeah, that's another thing why it's like you know not having sports and and it's like you know when people talk about uh, sports is a, dis- a distraction. You're like, yeah, and I could fucking we would love it right now. Like it would be great to have, you know, to to be quarantined like this and to you know try to find a routine, but to know at least like, oh snap, there's gonna be like this game on. And, you know, I think they're going to try to figure it out with football. Uh, if you were a betting man, would you think the football season happens? Um, obviously, all the, for pros, all the OTAs are out. Um, they may have to open camp a little bit later. College, I think they have a little bit more on their side because spring football is obviously done, but they don't have to really get going till mid-August. Really don't have to. They might even chop a few games off. I mean, is it going to happen? And I hope so. I mean, it's just this this whole thing is just terrible. And, and we'll see. I mean, this the smart people are trying to do the best thing, and so hopefully they're doing it. I don't know the basketball thing of doing the NBA tournament in Vegas. This is kind of cool. If it's safe, then why not? Then do it. It sucks because the Lakers are going to win it this year. They were going to win it. Oh, you think that's your squad, right? Well, I mean, I was always been a Laker fan since I was a kid. When we moved to Seattle, obviously you got to like the the Sonics. But Lakers always been my my team. And then after that fiasco, when they go to Oklahoma City, then you got. I mean, you're never going to root for the Thunder, right? You right. can't. Right. And so you know, it's always been Lakers. And God, they were good this year. I, I mean, I tolerate LeBron. I mean, I'm not a LeBron guy. You're not. Wow. I, I respect the heck out of him. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's amazing. The fact that last week he's coming out and thinking about releasing some clips of his. Oh, why? Why? Just because Jordan thing's coming out, too. Oh. Your place in history. You're on the Mount Rushmore. Don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. Also, we've seen enough from you. You've done, like, you know, you've, you, you've, you, I don't know. You've done docs. You've opened a school. You've like, but hey, man, you know what I think? What handsome? It's like, dude, he knows that even if the new Space Jam does come out. It ain't going to be like the first one, man. And he knows that. He knows that because you ain't going to get Bill Murray. Uh, and, it's, and we all, back then, when it first came out, we weren't expecting it. So oh, no. It just, it just blew up in everybody's faces, and it was the coolest thing ever. And now all this anticipation and stuff. So it's never going to be good if you anticipate it so much, right? So are, that's, you, that's just, are you pumped for that Jordan doc? Are you going to watch it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the most intriguing athletes ever because of, of just his demand of excellence that he that he just expected from people yeah and how he would just do mental warfare with folks i mean kobe is kind of the same but i don't think as as mentally cruel as jordan could be towards people if you read the jordan rules books and you hear snippets of what he was like to people i mean it was business man i mean he's an he's a really intriguing dude i can't wait to watch him I mean, those, even just those stories of, I'm sure you watched the Dream Team 2 documentary or the Dream Team documentary. Yeah, Yeah, I've probably watched it 50 times. Just hearing how he would like gamble and do this and that and come in and lead the team in every category statistically, B 
because he was just like, they're like, I don't even think I saw him sleep. They're like, you'd see him in the locker room after being out in Italy. You know, they had a game in Spain the next day, but he's in Italy gambling, partying, whatever. And then back in time for the game, maybe sleeping in the locker room 20 minutes before and then just, and I think it was magic in the doc that was just like, dude, he was just, you know, sometimes all the things click where your conditioning is like at the perfect level to where you oh, can yeah. get away with that. And, uh, but he also probably knew he's like, I know what I can do. He's like, I can get 20 minutes before the game, close my eyes and be ready to, to dominate. But Mitch Levy, you know, Mitch in the morning, he has his podcast yeah. and he was talking about his buddy, John Brock, about when Jordan came during the championship series and he got called, this John Brocken guy, to take Jordan to play on game day. On game day. So he takes him over to, um, to um, Inglemore or Inglewood. Inglewood. Yeah, yeah. And, and they play 36 holes because they started early in the morning. And Jordan plays that night and scores 35. <laughs> because I mean, that's what he did. And he's betting the whole time because he has to bet. He can't do anything without betting, right? Betting is part of his oh, yeah. competition. You've oh, got to yeah. have juice. What would you have done if you had a, a player like that in high school? Let's say, um, dude, let me just throw one in the hat. How about um, what if, uh, oh, shit. What if, um, what if Bub Bergstrom, what if you found out Bub just had a insane just gambling party problem? I mean, look, Bub already was, you know, the talk of the town. I, I always tell Bub, too, because, you know, he crashed on my couch when he was um, – uh, trying to get his job that got him into the field that 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 you're aren't yeah. you guys doing this yeah. yeah yeah and uh he was interviewing for this job in Pasadena he crashed with me on my floor and I had two roommates one that was kind of a drunk and one that was just you know a sweetheart and uh and and a, and my sweetheart roommate had a cat and, and but we had him on an air mattress in the middle of the living room and like the cat attacked him like 60 times and like four hours and like Bub got like 30 minutes of sleep Jordan style and went into the interview and apparently crushed it but he texts me all the next day he's like dude I'm getting a hotel he's like thanks for the fucking thanks for the cat uh, scratches and the fucking drunk roommate trip tripping over my air mattress in the middle of the night and I was like you're uh, welcome man you know and uh but he uh you know let's say that Bub had a uh a, a crazy uh a crazy uh you know track record which when he wore overalls uh, with no shirt in the uh, student union, I was like, "Dude, you are running on a different set of cool uh, right now." Because I, it made me question everything. I was like, "Girls are still talking to this guy, and he's wearing overalls with no shirt." I was like, "I don't even know if he's wearing underwear." This guy is just king of the <laughs> castle right now. And uh, well, first of all, you're talking about high school. Nobody has those <laughs> issues, in and if they did have those issues, they would they would be gone. <laughs> Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Like, hypothetically, if he truly, like, and Bubba's a good player, right? Three-star athlete. I always did wonder, and I want to know this about, you know, from a coach perspective, when somebody's that good in three sports, did you ever say, like, dude, maybe stop baseball and give me everything for basketball because I think that that's your shit and we could, you could be better and, and help the team? Like, did you ever think about doing that? I think being a multi-coach, multi-sport coach, allowed me to understand the importance of playing multiple sports gotcha. and growing up myself. So it never, it never bugged me. I mean, it bugs me sometimes when um, baseball kind of bugs me sometimes because they're really territorial with their kids and they demand a lot out of their kids. I just wish they'll be a little more flexible. I've always been flexible with kids. I mean, they want to be there, Yeah. but you know what? If it's off season for us and we're two seasons out, I can't compete with the football coach. You know, right. Because yeah. their season's next. Yeah. Now when I'm one season out, I hope that they reciprocate and feel the same way about my guys. So, you know, but summer league is kind of a, 
it's a dicey thing when you're sharing kids. So you, you, what you tell your kids, you play football during summer league, hey, come to one or two games. Here's the schedule. We just want you to be around. If you don't want to play, you don't have to play, but we just want to have you around so the guys know you're there. And it always works out. The guys would always come because I always used to have some studs who played football when I was here in Hawaii. It's just stud football guys that man, they're going D1. I mean, they're going, you know, and you just you can't force them to come to. I'm going to tell Manti Teo to come to a summer league basketball game when he's <laughs> a division one football recruit yeah fuck so, that. And, that, and that's where you're at so you just so the guys will show up every once in a while when they do you throw them in there and then when your season rolls around they'll give you effort they'll give you effort but that that's why you need your core guys you know who just do one sport they're the ones who are going to kind of guide the program in a certain direction unless the person is just flat out just the best in both sports and then you just wind that guy up and you throw him out there yeah who uh who would you take in a pickup game right now a point guard ian chen or bub bergstrom Oh, wow. Ian Chen would bite your ankles, man. <laughs> Bub, Bub could shoot it a little bit more. And Bub had really good feel for um, what we were doing. But Ian was, he, he, he was never deviate off the plan. Oh, yeah. Ian would do what you told him to do. What a great kick. And I haven't heard that name in forever. Right? Come on, man. Yeah. Drink, drink five if you're playing the Ian Chen drinking game. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Chen. What a great kid. That guy, you know, when we would do the, um, I guess they were just called, what were the sprints called? The sui- I mean, I guess they're called like suicides. What did you call them? When we yeah, just, sure. yeah. Oh, we just did. Suicide. Running lines, I guess. Yeah, whatever. And so when you just hit every line going up and down the court. And uh, Ian, I mean, like. Dude, there was he was always done before you even got to half court. And it was like I know. Every time I was like, dude, let me if I can just try to get like a little bit behind Ian, like if I can get to the third to last line before he's done, I'll consider that a victory. Never could, dude. And I was like, dude, did you like what's going on with those sneakers, man? Can we check the uh did he take some extra sort of um, you know, pump up creatine? Are you drinking all sport? Like, are you not well, I know you're not a gamer guy. Able to, he was able to stop in a straight line and come back. You being on the portly side had to kind of round that turn off, right? <laughs> it wasn't really, it wasn't really oh, a, a, a sneaker squeak. It was more oh, like a stop shit. and then come back. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, now, who would you take in a three-point shootout, uh, me or Amit Naranjan? And think about this hard because I know that Amit. You think of Amit, you think a smooth stroke. You think of Ken Griffey Jr. baseball swing type shot, but. Um, you know, let's be honest, dude. Like, I could fucking knock. Is it the holy week? Is it the holy week, or is it Hanukkah? What is it? I need to know. I need to know the season. Uh, it's mid. It's mid. Really focused. Right it's mid Passover, post Easter. <laughs> see, here's the deal. On paper, a majority of us would say mid. Right? Yeah. We we just would because yeah. you know the stroke and you see him hitting it. But knowing you and your preparation. I think I'm gonna get. I think if we had four racks, I think you might get them by one or two balls. There we go. Really I'll take do. that. Uh, Larry Bird at the end. Yeah. Uh, what about in the post? Would you uh, take? Um, uh, I'm sorry. And what were the last names again? The Cantron brothers? No. The the Sandrin brothers. Sandrin brothers. Would you take uh, Eric Sandrin, uh, Youssef in the post, or um, uh, Jess Lacasse? Just like Cass. Uh, just the Cass. I uh, just give him the thumbs up. I'm not taking him in the post. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, isn't that crazy? Youssef- that was a six four. That's how like I know. and we we're still in the fucking four A. Like that was like it was like, guys, can you take a look at the mean height of our squad and realize that we should be in a different division? Uh, um Yusuf had great feet. 
So he utilized his feet to get angles to shoot. Sandrin would just, everything with him is about jumping. I mean, you couldn't keep his feet still on the post. And, and he didn't get better till he went to, S, to um, SPU. And then he played for the Globetrotters a little bit. And then he no way. Ended, yeah, then he ended up with um, one of the Chinese teams and a Korean team. So he had a nice career, a yeah. really nice career. But at, at that age level, if we've we got to keep it at that age level in high school, even though Sandra was a thousand times more talented than Yusuf, I take Yusuf. I take Lacasse if we're taking charges because Lacasse is a tough son of a bitch. She Come just on, right? Just take charges. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What about on the football uh, on the football side? Would you take at linebacker? Would you take Adam Schaefer or Isaac Jordan? Well, first of all, I love both families. Yeah. And, and um, remember Schaefer, dude. Schaefer's that guy got mom, jacked Schaefer's out of nowhere. Mom's cookies, but Schaefer's mom's cookies that she used to make may be a deciding factor. <laughs> <in this whole thing. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she used to bring the bucket of cookies for the Oh, coaches. yeah, dude. I saw that. I was always jealous. And there's like half a stick of butter in <laughs> each cookie. Um, I, I, well, one's an outside backer and one's an inside backer. So right, I think okay. we can play them both at the same time. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and QBs, you had Luke. Wow. And then you had Akash, Reed, right? They had Akash. And then we had um, Reed Anderson. Reed Anderson. Travis Baker. So when I was there, Travis Baker – Reed Anderson, Peter Duncan, um, Akash, Gabe Coyne. Gabe Coyne was our freshman QB, yeah. Yep, Gabe Coyne. Um, you know Chris Abel? Remember Chris Abel? Yeah. Chris Abel lives out here. No way. He's, um, I think he's Army or Navy, one of the two, but him and his family, they've been living out here the whole time that I've been living out here. So if I was going to take a QB – well, first of all, Luke wins. Reed Anderson was just a cat's meow. He was just a smooth cat. He did yeah. everything. He just had a lot of moxie to him. If we're just talking straight quarterback skills, then it's Luke Winslow. There's no doubt about it. Right. Luke Winslow went to Zusa Pacific. Yeah. And still has career passing records over there. I mean, he was great. Damn, and now he's dude. a professor at the University of Texas. Yeah, he always had like hot high school English teacher vibes where I was like, this guy's going to like – be a substitute in like in like a small school in Wyoming and like, you know. But God, he he was a prick when he played. He was he he was nasty to the opposing teams. He would oh, was say he? stuff. He would never know. Oh my God, he was the best at it. That was that was I was gonna. Would, oh, go ahead. No, he he would say some almost racially charged things at the <laughs> line of scrimmage against against a Shorewood linebacker once just messing with, I didn't know about this to two years later that he would just he would go black 35 and just say it over and over and over again oh and the kids start getting really pissed oh yeah oh no, yeah no, that was Luke that's <laughs> was what I was going to ask you like how many guys like who were some of the best like NBA guys love to talk about this now like who was the best shit talker right and you hear a lot of them say uh Kevin Garnett and GP obviously but like do you did you encourage that or did you enjoy it like if you saw guys like yapping in any game. Like, obviously, you probably are like, keep, you know, don't let that part of the game consume you. But I think it does feed the same way Jordan, right? Like, you know, having this gambling side fed his competitive nature. Like, if somebody's getting into a beef with a player, like, hopefully it maybe drives them to, to outplay them. But there's a balance with that, yeah? I mean, I mean you better be able to back it up. Okay, I mean, yeah. If you're going to yap. But, you know, it reminds me of a story of guys yapping and stuff. So – I'm not, not sure what year this was, and I'm not sure if you were on the team ever. We're playing Edmonds Woodway, and we're up, and it's a really tight game. Edmonds is pretty good, and we're pretty good at that point because this is um, the year Winslow's the quarterback. Okay. And Bub's, Bub's playing right corner, 
and they throw a fade pass going to the left end, to the left part of the end zone. No, it's like the ten yard line. Bub goes up, knocks the ball down, flag comes out, and Bub starts screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling, and gets another flag goes up. Then Easton runs over from the safety position oh, and starts man. yelling and screaming. Another flag goes up. And now we got people on our sideline going towards the hash marks. And I tell him, Bo, keep everybody back. And I'm trying to talk to one of the refs, takes his hat off. He throws it. When it's all said and done, there was eight flags thrown. One against Edmonds <laughs> Woodway, seven against us. Our seven were for personal fouls, for excessive language. And this is my fault because, you know, I, I walked that tightrope with the yeah. kids, right? Guess what the, flag, what the flag for Edmonds Woodway was? What? Offensive pass interference. It was on the ki other kid. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> so we, we didn't even know that the flag was on them and our sideline and our kids because we walked that edge. Because you had to walk that edge with yeah. Vander Bogart and guys like that. You wanted them to dude. walk in that line. So, and we walked that line. And when, you know, That's when so you needed funny. a little bit of poise, a little bit of <laughs> a poise. A little bit of poise, man. That's so and that funny. Thing got kicked uh, so, we, so we ended up getting the ball back was, uh, no they got the ball. i forget what it was but it was just the biggest mess i've ever seen seven penalties unsportsmanlike dude is that one of those things where you just take a uh nice headshot by the way coach we just went to the yeah you just give me your headshot there for a minute yeah if anyone no, no, the, it went yeah. it went low uh, low battery i had to push it down <laughs> oh dang all right um all right well, uh you good for like another five more five more minutes absolutely i got 20 percent right. power whatever all right all right good <laughs> yeah um all right, at the uh, running back position, would you take – let's go Mar Marshall, Marshall Wake is who I saw my freshman year. And that dude – I mean, I literally was like, oh, am I watching an NFL player play high school football? That's – I mean, from a, from a fan just perspective, I didn't know you could move that fast in high school. Um, David Knapp I know was pretty dope. Uh, um, I'm going to throw in uh, – Mar, Mar Patrick was really good. Oh, Mar Patrick was insane. Here's one that I think you're you is a sleeper. Uh, Kieran, remember Kieran on our freshman team? Um, Tillman, Kenya. Yes. No, no, Kieran, not Kenya. He only played freshman football. The young, quick, familiar, but I young, quick I black kid. He, um, dude, Kieran. What was his last name, dude? He. Uh, I remember I, that name, Kieran, but I dude, can't he was like he was like beast mode personified, dude. He was like a little thicker. You could not tackle him. He was like our – I think we had a couple passing plays to Luke Holtz, and then everything Luke was – Luke Holtz. Kieran, yeah, come on. Everything was Kieran up the middle. But um, all right, so who would you take? Marshall, Knapp? Well, Marshall was, a, Mar Marshall was a you give him the ball 30 times type of guy. You got to give him to him 30 times because he's a, he's a grinder. A grinder, 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 and he, he got better with every possession. So he was really good to have when we were good because we run we run clock with him, which right. is really good. Mar Mar Patrick was really good. Yeah, Mar Patrick, Mar Patrick can move, man. Fun to and watch brother, too, man. His brother, the horse. He oh was, yeah, his brother what was it? Sean Patrick. God, yeah, he, was, he never played football, but he was a very good basketball. Yeah, um, if you can get him eligible. He's always an eligible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, now the receiver spot. You got Doug Clark, you got Luke Holtz, and um, who else? Mike McFarland, before you guys' time. Mike McFarland yeah. was an all, all amazing, and Dougie was great. Um, I, say, I mean, it's going to be Doug Clark and Mike McFarland for me. Yeah. Didn't Dougie play at UW too? Yeah, he played at UW. He finished up there, never really got a chance. If he would have stayed at Air Force, might have got a chance. Yeah. Um, it's just really tough. 
I mean, now if he would have went to, and McFarland went to Western Washington, played a little, and if Doug would have went to a smaller school, I mean, he would have caught, you know, 100 balls. Yeah. I mean, it would have been easy for him because he was so talented. But when you get to the bigger campuses and you got scholarship athletes, you know, then the scholarship guys are always going to get first dibs. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Well, dude, that's, what's, that's what got in my way at USC, you know? Like, I came down here, and I was like, yo, Pete, Carol, like, you're new, I'm new, let's do this. And he was like, do you even, are you even an athlete? Like, what are you wearing right now? You wearing two coats? It's 85 degrees out. I'm like, yeah, man, I just came from Seattle, baby. Yeah, the um, – <laughs> The uh, I did I did try to walk onto the hoops team and they were just like no nah, man but I got to play in like some pickup games and like intramurals with some of the guys like Desmond Farmer and uh, Sam oh, Clancy awesome. they were you know my uh, they were seniors when I was a freshman uh, the um, what the twins the Stewart Lodrick and Roderick do you remember when they were in I think Rainier Beach uh, yes they were and they and they came to SC and uh, um, were there ever guys like that by the way that you saw like you talk about the way players will speak about watching Michael Jordan mid game and they're like playing against him was one thing and he was so magical that you couldn't help but step outside yourself and oh, act I'm like gonna you're a fan you a name and i'm gonna give you a name and you're just gonna go absolutely i never saw anything in my life like jamal crawford in high school wow oh it was just stupid i mean the, what, the, what he did with the ball i mean and the fact that he did some of those things in the pros um and at college for one year but what he did against high school competition what he did with the ball was just stupid he, he was amazing Wait, and then Corey Dillon as a high school football player, nothing <laughs> like him. Oh, my God. See, I didn't realize that you coached against these guys because they were – that was before I got to SC, right? Yeah. That was like – wait, so Jamal Crawford, you were playing – he was on – He was, was – Jamal Crawford was on Rainier Beach. Rainier Beach, yeah. And, yep, and we never got to play against him when I, that one year at Franklin, but I saw him like five times during the year, right? And it's just what he did with the ball was just, it was just incredible. I mean, he, he, he had moves where you couldn't even tell what he was doing with the ball. And it, it was a man amongst boys. And then yeah. Corey Dillon, when he played for Franklin, he would play free safety. Forget the running part. He would play free safety, never go to the huddle, be 20 yards off the ball, and make every single play from 20 yards off. Oof, fuck, dude. He'd just stand in the back. They huddle up for defense. He just stands there, looks around. Ball gets snapped, and he is just a, a missile. Freaking I've never seen anything like that. Do you remember, do you remember uh, Teo Johnson for Mariner? And Am oh, absolutely. Amon, was it Amon Jordan? Or there was Amon, another guy. Amon Gordon. Amon Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Yep. And Those both, two guys. Both ended up going to Stanford. And, and Teo had a nice career as a tight end over there. I'm I not sure how much Raiders. Gordon Teo. got. Teo was on the Raiders for me. Did he? Okay. Um, yeah. That makes sense. But, dude, that was, for me, you know, it's like when you, again, when you get into the high school sport situation, everyone's always like, oh, did anybody come from our school? And I know Glendon Rush I think, right, the pitcher uh, yeah. came from Shortcrest. And you start tracking these guys yeah. and thinking – because I think for your own curiosity and psyche, you're like, oh, did anybody come from here? Like, is this a place where people, uh, you know, make it just to kind of – is there something to shoot for? Absolutely. Over? And I remember seeing Teo. I mean, it was just, like, not fair. I think as a sophomore, he was 6'8", 240. Yep. And I remember, like, mid-game, like, we all were just – this was, must have been 2000 – no, no, uh, uh, junior year. So, like, 90 – yeah, maybe 2000, actually. And we were all in the game and went, uh, playing against Teo, and we all just looking at each other just like, don't get dunked on. Like, whoever gets dunked on, like, you're never going to not hear about it. Like, you got to buy something for everybody. And this guy, I remember, I think he sh I think he must have dunked on a Kosh or a Mitt, and it was just because, like, I, I mean, this guy – not only did he, he didn't even have to jump, really, but it was like – he looked bigger than everybody. So, after the game, too – 
remember I was always like, dude, can we do like a background check on this guy? Make sure he's not 46. Like this guy is just playing above everyone's level. I mean, he was a, he was a physical specimen as yeah. a freshman. I mean, it's just like he had a beard as a freshman. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's like, this is my wife. This is my side chick. You're like, dude, you are 17 years old. There's a bunch of good players. I mean, Grady Sizemore, who had a great Major League Baseball career. Oh, yeah. Cascade, um, like the, the tight end Cameron from, I think it was, I forget what it was, one of those Bellingham schools. I mean, there's a bunch of kids up and down that whole thing. And then, you know, Seattle had that really renaissance of really good NBA basketball players you know, in that 2000 era. Oh, yeah. All those guys. I mean, from Jason Terry to... Brandon Roy. To Brandon Roy and the Twins and to everybody. I mean, it's just awesome, amazing. Yeah. And that one little corridor that had all those great players. NBA yeah. caliber players. Oh, yeah. Um, well, shit, dude. Well, this has been awesome. We've done almost two hours. Is that good? It's awesome. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The only two-hour episode uh, I ever go is we did Mark Marin for almost two hours, did... um. Me and Sandy Bullock went almost two hours. Um, Sue Bird, I think we went almost two. So it's good. Also, when the conversation's flowing like this, and this is, you know, obviously there's a lot of things I wanted to hit as far as like, you know, coach career, like family life, the move, get inside, you know, like you say, like peel back the curtain for a lot of people that have, uh, you know, been been in your life and, and vice versa. But then there's also just like shop talk, like asking you, you know, how how Bub's overall look would would play out in uh, in this era, which um, yeah. Which, hey, hey, were you were you on the team when the kid from Furcrest came into the back gym? Is that your time yet? Was that was that the same year you was Danny Zuko? You know, you must have heard that story. Wait, when came the into the back. Into the, wait, I, we were we, we were meeting in the back gym before we went upstairs, went up to the field for a practice. Yeah, and apparently some kid who, from Furcrest escaped and was running through the weight room, slapped Scott Dillinger on the butt ran out and somehow made his way to the back gym simultaneously when I'm walking in to address the team before practice and everybody stops and this guy is kind of like running around walks up to Kenya Tillman slaps him across the face <laughs> then takes off his pants and goes to the bathroom and everybody got up and ran out of the gym the craziest <laughs> thing ask anybody who's on that I can't believe you weren't on that team no it was the craziest I thing I've ever seen in my life and for Chris was and like what the like insane asylum that was like just on the other side yeah. of our field. Yep. So all we can do is we had coaches manning the doors because there's exits in the back gym on there's four different exits, right? Yeah. So Bo was holding one door, Dillinger's holding a door, Rob Petro's holding a door, and then we just have to wait for the authorities to come and get the guy who's running around the back gym naked. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just slapping butts and smearing the walls. Yeah, uh, that, and uh, then we went up to practice, and and we and everybody's just looking at each other. What <laughs> is it? He walks into the gym, starts screaming and yelling, and walks up to all people, Kenya Tillman, and slaps him. Right oh across yeah, the face. I think he was just doing God's work because we all wanted to get a little bit of Kenya's <laughs> cheek to our hand at some point. Uh, uh -huh. Dude, that's such a good story. Dude, thanks for. I mean, this. Uh, you know, again, man, staying in touch with you has been uh, super cool, and uh, and I was, you know, I'm just been in this uh, in this time. I was just you know, as we're uh, trying to find as, as uh, comedians and, and to fill your time with content and with just things that interest you. And, and having, by the way, all this downtime is, uh, is new for, I would probably say a lot of people, even if you're working from home, man, like, you know, being around, you know, people, you know, your kids this much and, and whatnot, and just trying to fill the day and find a routine. And, and I don't know what it, what it hit me, but I was like, 
I was like, dude, I, and I was like, oh, I would love to, uh, you know, chat with the coach. And then I was just like, man, I, I was like, this would be a great podcast. I'm sure there's stories for days and, and you were so, uh, so down to do it. So I appreciate it, man. Adam is, I'm so proud of you. And it's really cool to see everything that you've done and the, the people that you have. You hang with some pretty famous people. You kind of, you kind of up there. That's yeah. Well, I mean, cool. you never know how much people like track any, cause when I first started doing it, it's like, you know, I'd go home the first two years and I'm doing open mics and, and, you know, again, when you're anyone's tied to the business, then they, you know, they're like, all right, so you, you, their gauge is what they see, you know, so if they don't see you on TV or on a billboard, you know, five years in, you know, I'm just starting to kind of, you know, get on the road and open for guys, but still not anything that's, you know, writing home about you're just putting in the, the work and but people back home, wherever be like, so you still doing comedy? I'm like, yeah, I've been doing it for five, five years. They're like, I don't see you on a billboard. And you're like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work like that. You got to kind of, you know, pay your dues and put in the time. And it's kind of, so it's a great art form, you know, and, and, uh, and then getting a few, you know, things to, that, that got me going and get, you know, be on some cool shows and whatnot. And then people just sitting me up being like, yeah, dude, I've, I always knew, man, I always knew. And I'm like, you were the same guy that was giving me shit about not being on a billboard five years into comedy, you know, but, but, God you know, damn. Zook, Danny Zuko, Danny <laughs> yeah. fucking Zuko. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there other, other, um, you know, other, comics that you are you like privy to stand up are you watching specials like who do you watch who are you into am i because i've got to be you know i always think too when people um you know use me as their way into the business i'll have them then be like well who should i watch who should i get into and i'm like you know happy to give them a list of people that are that are homies and i'm like well these are people that i like these are people that i think you'll like based on on your taste that i know but are there people that you're tracking or oh yeah well obviously with um I mean, I know Larry David's not a stand-up comic, but Larry David just makes me laugh. Oh yeah, dude! By, just by being alive. Oh just, yeah. Just, just his facial expressions. Obviously, Seinfeld, and the fact that we get to watch that coffee show and just see how he interacts with people and so good. And what comedy means to him? I mean, comedy. I mean, it, it's it's just not telling jokes, right? I oh. mean, it's it's a lifestyle that you yeah. guys live, and it's really that's a really behind the curtain type show when you see two comedians talking to each other about the craft and the art yeah. of it. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's I I can't imagine. A tougher job than to get in front of people and trying to make them laugh. I mean, that, that's hard. Yeah, it's easy I mean, when you're doing it, when you're flowing, and it's a practice, and you say funny things. But when you got to go up cold and have material for folks that you have nothing in common with, except the yeah. fact that they like to drink and go to comedy clubs. Yeah, and that, nothing but respect, man. That's yeah. hard. Were you uh, when you saw me? Because you hadn't seen me in Hawaii. That was, I think, the first time. You probably seen clips and stuff online. But again, it's like you got to get oh, yeah. that live. But oh, I've never seen you do do your bits. I mean, I saw you in the movie. Saw you in the movie with um, what was that? The Sandra Bullock movie. The, the Heat, yeah, The Heat. Yeah, yeah. Heat. Saw that yeah, yeah. one and saw some other clips you stuff, but I never saw you do your bit. And so, were you cool. nervous, or were you like, because there's got to be that thing too? And people will tell this to me when they friends will drag them to shows and be like, you know, they said like, this come see my friend, and like it now I'm, you know. At all the clubs, I'm on the, the the lineups of you know the uh, so that it shouldn't be a, a gamble. It's like all right, even if I'm not your cup of tea, you're gonna fuck David Spade is right there, Bill Burr, whatever. So you got other people to to get into. But I'm always curious, like, were you your or your wife or or your son, like, or were you guys like, all right, so dad, if if this guy sucks, I know he's like your buddy from back in the day, but like, do we have 
Like, uh, is the car close? Like, do we, are we sitting near the exit? I just wanted people to laugh for you. I was going, man, yeah. I hope, I, I know he's, this is what he does for a living. You're like nervous so parent, huh? Happy bad with it. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Mean, you're opening for a really popular comedian. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's good at this. And I'm just, yeah. I, I had a little nervous energy for you. I go, come on, man, make people laugh. And you did, you did a great <laughs> yeah. job. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, dude. Um, well, I, I would got to assume that there's a little similarities to it with, I mean, the public speaking thing with coaching, that's another thing that, you know, it's an acquired skill set, And it's like, you got to not only find a way to connect your, you know, your, your game plan and what you, you know, just your message as a coach, which I think once you start to hearing about like guys like Phil Jackson, like, and there's just so much more that can go into it versus X's and O's. And, you know, that's another thing that, that I think that you crushed, which was like getting people to buy into what you're doing. And again, I don't think well, there's you know, a, it's, you know, ironically, you say that, I mean, in real estate, when you're doing all these training classes, they're always asking, what's your, what's your value statement? How do you approach somebody? And, and, they, and they always say, okay, they call your name and you do it, and people freeze. And then when they call my name, I just go, okay, uh, all right, let me think. Let me get a game plan, let's formulate, and boom, you just start yapping. And then they go, wow, that was really easy. So, no, it's, it's just what I've been doing my whole life. I've been selling myself to guys like you to want to play for me, right? That's what coaching is. We, wow. we sell ourselves. And, and that's the whole thing. And you got to be able to, you have your prepared things, which is cool, but you got to be able to do it on the fly too. And you just got to, all you need is a couple of little tidbits, right? It's something to grab onto. Okay, that's something to talk about. And then you just start, sometimes you ramble, but sometimes you just you start feeling passionate about something and then you run. And then it's easy. Talking talking's always been easy. Like for you, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, dude, Greg, how are you coming up with a, a, a message and, a, and a, you know, just words to live by so quick? You're like, well, I had eight shots of fireball, so that might have something to do with it, you know. Uh, it sure helps. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there, have you guys been playing any card games or, like, what do you, like, in the middle, like, in the evening, what's your evening quarantine routine? Like, movies, TV? Um, well, my wife and I started, because we got a whole day thing, we'll do a little yoga, you know, and then we'll, we'll take a walk. But now, yeah, but now we're going to get rid of the walking and we're going to bike. But right now, our, old, our youngest and my wife, Mary, they're doing a puzzle. But when the puzzle's done, then we'll do board games and card games. And then we watch whatever show we're going to watch. I just got done watching Ozarks. Holy shit. And I'm about, to, yeah, I'm about to start season three. It, it's awesome. It's freaking awesome. I had to get... It could be my favorite character of anybody on TV. I think her character is amazing. She's unreal, dude. She's, um, yeah, if I would hope that they would find a part for her in the Tiger King movie because she's that good. Uh, I have not seen that. I don't know. Oh. I, I hate it when they make fun of people like that, even though well, they're asking. Well, they're not. I mean, look, there's, there's no, there's no making fun. I mean, look, any making fun is going to be what you say to the TV from the comfort of your own home, because it is sure. a, I mean, look, it's, I know some people don't want to watch it. Cause they're like, dude, I getting these types of people in our country highlighted like this is just, not some I'm into, but it's like, dude, I'm all about people that are larger than life characters. And look, they do, you have to watch it with a very like, uh, with your entertainment goggles and not your, you know, wow, this is humanity and what these guys doing with, I mean, dude, the lead guy, Joe Exotic, you know, got a bunch of tigers, got three straight dudes to marry him. I mean, that, that in itself is like a good, like log line for the movie. And then there's this his com competitor, owns another like animal sanctuary they're both kind of you know have all these weird tigers and zoos and they're both kind of crazy they think this woman killed her husband to like get million i mean it's the documentary is brilliant but it's i mean look i'd start with the jordan one 
And if you're, you know, if you got, if you're, if, I'm if not you're, saying never, I'm not saying, okay. Never. Yeah. But it's in Florida, right? Aren't both places in Florida? One's in Florida. One's in Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So unbelievable. But man, that thing's got traction. My Isn't it crazy? It's crazy how something yeah. just like gets so, and I usually am behind if something gets that popular, I will almost like not watch it out of spite because I'm just like, nah, I don't really care to, I still haven't seen um, uh, any Game of Thrones. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you gave me the old T-face. <laughs> what the yeah, hell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I, will, I will at some point, but I, uh, <clears throat> I know it's like the acting's great. It's just that, that fantasy stuff I never got really into, but I, when, when people tell me the acting's great, then I'm like, I got to watch it, but, you know. So on our night, we finished it off with some TV, and there's so much good content on TV now. Awesome, I mean, I don't right? even watch – with no sports, there is no reason to watch regular TV. There's not. Isn't that sad? There's not. Dude. Yeah, I mean, we'll watch The Voice because, you know, I like to hear people sing, and my wife watches The Stupid Bachelor, Bachelorette, that's what – but I don't watch any TV show that comes out of a major studio anymore yeah. and major network. There's no reason to. I don't Dude, watch their news. I, it's a sport. If, it. if if networks don't have sports or uh or uh or uh you know competition shows, dude, if Netflix just all of a sudden just wants to like play put on their big boy pants and be like, hey, we're gonna buy the rights to the NFL, dude, Fox is fucked. You know what I'm saying? Like they're done. Yeah. Um and we'll see the next the next TV contract that comes up, it'll be interesting to see because the NFL is all about making money and they're very good at it and I they know, print dude. money and how they're going to do the next deal. I mean, they, they kind of dabbled in some other things this past, this past contract, but this next contract is going to be, it's going to change a bunch of stuff of how we watch the NFL Our Hawks, and we'll watch it. Cause no matter what it is, we'll go. Hawks are great. I love the, all the off season changes. I right. hope they can get Clowney from 18. If they Got can get to. him from 18, that's good. 18, yeah. 18 and a half. I mean, Come I know on, they dude. don't want to break the bank. No kidding. Step up. Russ just posted something and was just like, dude, like a straight up call to him online on Twitter was just like, come on, bro. Like we, he's like, I need you. He's like, we need you. He's like, it was, I mean, he's got, dude, come on. Where else are you going to go? We, the, our team, we are locked and loaded and primed for another run. And we've got these years with Russ. And then I think everyone just needs to obviously like just go the Russ years. And then whatever happens after that is, you know. But, Isn't Russell Wilson the best? He's dude, amazing. The man. fact that there was even question at one time where people were like, do we pay him or not? I'm like, give him whatever he wants. Do you understand how rare this guy is? And the fact that he has no, the weirdest, the fact that he has like weird beach pictures with his wife and people are like, dude, look at him and his hot wife half naked on the beach. What a weirdo. You're like, yeah, that really sucked. I'm dude, he's, he's a different cat. Yeah. Man, there's nothing like him. He just competes and he just stays in the, I hate saying this term, but it's so true. He just stays in the present. Yeah. Not, he's, a, he's a relief pitcher. Man, I mean, you give up a dinger, you just got to, Throw the next pitch, man. You yeah. got to. Yeah. And this positive attitude is just, even though people at the beginning, the Michael Bennett's of the world and stuff, thought it was, you know, not genuine. It was kind of forced, rehearsed. Yeah. Uh-uh, that's, that's who he is. Yeah. And on top of it, he's an amazing freaking quarterback. I love Russ Wilson. My favorite Seattle athlete is Russell Wilson. No that's problem. awesome, dude. Um, I wish they'd play a game in uh, Hawaii, just to kind of, the way they do it in London, right? Like, they should. Oh, you know, they did a preseason game last year with the Rams and the Cowboys. And there's 50,000 people there. I mean, Hawaii could handle a pro football team. They wow. really could because people love the NFL here because everybody gambles here. Like right, any, now, let me, anywhere else. 
Now, let me ask you this. The same way the Hawaii basketball coaching job came about and you weren't looking for it, if an NFL team went and they're like, yo, coach, like we've heard some stories, dude. We heard the way you handle chalkboards. We, would, we got no chalkboards here, but we got a lot of dope players that I think could uh, handle your message. You, wh- what would you do in five, within um, five years? That would never happen. But let's just say in, cra- in crazy world of Adam Ray that it did happen, how could you pass that up? Wow. I dude. mean, all right. That'd be amazing. Well, uh, we should do this again, you know, whether we, we, should. Pa- whether we do easy. a part, part two or just do a, a talk about this Jordan doc. Uh, if you do want to, if you feel so bored and, and obviously we're all, you know, missing sports, if you ever feel like setting up a camera and taping some of your badminton matches, maybe you, maybe holding a thing of fireball, get a little, uh, <laughs> some free promo in there and post that. I think there's at least 50 people, Don Dalziel being one of them, that would watch that if you posted it to Facebook. Oh, I know Doug Clark and Doug Clark and Casey Belcourt will be watching on the pay-per-view of <laughs> my wife and I play badminton. Bad, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Coach, I love you, man. Thanks for doing this. Love you, too. This, is, this was awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate it, and I hope that a whole bunch of our, our friends, our mutual friends, and people oh, they that we will. care about, I hope they get to listen to this, and it's cool. I'll, I'll keep – when is this – I'm going to use a term. When's this going to drop, Adam? Yeah. Oh, damn. Look at you. Yoga. <laughs> now you're woke with the, with the sweet kid lingo. Uh, oh, I'm all woke. <laughs> all right. You just ruined it. Uh, let's see. Um, let's say I think either possibly – I was going to do tomorrow. There might be a way to get it up tomorrow, but if not, then um, uh, Wednesday. Well, you got a lot of editing to do. Then we gotta, there's a lot of content there for you to. Uh, oh, no, we're know. posting this thing straight as is. There's no editing. We might, cool. edit that, we might edit out that last part where you said, oh, I'm all woke, just to kind of just. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> other than that, we're keeping all the gold, man. You know. Uh, okay, just one thing before we leave. What's yeah. that picture behind you? Is that, what, what is that? I can't tell. Like, oh, that's the that- Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Gotcha. I a, buddy, was, a buddy so. of mine painted that. And then that one's Chris Farley. A buddy of mine painted that one, too. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, dude. Very cool. All right. Uh, all right, Coach. Good talk. And we'll do this again soon, all right? All right. Pay-per-view, probably about ten We're not going to overcharge. That's fair, dude. Badminton matches shouldn't be anywhere above 12 bucks, And I've always said that. That was my high school yearbook quote. <laughs> all right. Later, Peace, Coach. my brother. See you, buddy. Later. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.